Sorry. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Attlesford planning meeting, 9th of May. Sorry we're a little bit late. Um, just a few points of order before we start. There are no fire alarms planned today, so if there is an alarm, it will be real. Please meet on the grass outside the building. And please will everybody ensure that their phones are turned off, all mobile phones off. If anybody lets their phone go off, we'll fine them. <clears throat> or something like that, yeah. Okay. Uh, any apologies for absence? I don't think so. We're all present. Declarations of interest. Councillor Freeman. Hill Council Chairman. Councillor Fairhurst. Okay, noted. Mm, Councillor Davy. Sorry, John. St. Edmunds Lane East. I haven't got the number. Okay, yep, I'm aware of that application. Okay. Um, can I sign off the previous minutes, please? Everybody okay? Yep, okay. Alistair duly noted. Okay, and with that, we'll move on to the first item land to the south of Wickham Road in Newport. And uh, Mrs. Shoesmith will take us through the application. Maria. Thank you, Chairman. The application site before us is land south of Wickham Road in Newport. Um, as you can see from the plan in front of you, the red line uh, shows the red line of the application site and its relationship to Newport. The application is for outline planning permission for the development of up to 150 dwellings. Uh, as part of the application, it's also proposed that there will be a provision of land for community allotments, associated strategic landscaping, open space and associated highway works, drainage and other infrastructure works. All matters are reserved uh, on this application with the exception of the primary means of access off Wickham Road, uh, which is located here, which I'll show you in more detail shortly. So the, this is the application site and its relationship to Newport. Um, the application site covers an area of 10.11 hectares of agricultural land. There are existing allotment sites located here on, uh, adjacent to the application site. Uh, we have um, the local primary school located uh, down here. Um, recreational facilities also further down uh, Frambury Lane just to give you a bit of context. Um, as seen on the site visit today, there is landscaping um, around the perimeters of the application site with Halcombe Way um, going through the centre of the application site here, which we walked. The highest part of the application site is located here, which provides a ridge um, and then plateaus out and the ground levels um, lower as you move further west um, along the um, application site. It can be seen from the indicative plans um, that the built form proposed is allocated uh, or indicated to be from kind of um, mid-level mid um, below the highest ground level point and uh, to the lowest uh, ground level point with other parts of the site further north that would be um, adjacent um, to existing built form on Frambury Lane. 
As part of the application, um, open space is provided and will be incorporated as part of the scheme located here and here. Again, these are indicative plans of what the scheme uh, would look like in terms of layout. Also, as part of the application, we have uh, an extension to the existing allotment sites, which is proposed here. Um, with uh, strategic landscaping and uh, thickening up of the boundaries along here and around uh, the other perimeters of the site. The uh, public footpath will be remaining through the centre of the site. However, as indicated here, um, it was shown that it will be linked up the two fields uh, with the roadway um, puncturing through the, uh, the footpath located here. As part of the indicative plans, it's also shown that there will be pedestrian accesses through the site located here, here where the footpath is, and further down uh, along here, uh, with other uh, existing footpaths uh, located outside the site here. In terms of density, um, the scheme equates to 15 dwellings per hectare. It's based on 150 dwellings um, and in terms of the 40% affordable housing which is proposed that equates to uh, 50, sorry, 60 dwellings. The plan here shows the access points into the site, as I said the pedestrian paths here internally and the main access into the site. In terms of uh, what the land uses would look like, this gives you a rough indication of what would be built form, um, extensions to the allotments, landscaping and open space. This plan here shows the parameters, indicative parameters of what the uh, building heights uh, would be on the application site. It's shown that the lowest heights of the buildings would be two-storey, a maximum of ten here, going down to two, two and a half storeys, a maximum of 11 metres in height, down to a maximum of 12 and a half metres, which will be three storeys at the lowest point of the application site. Again, it should be noted that these are indicative and remain subject to further reserve matters should planning permission be granted. These are indicative street scenes of roughly what the scheme could look like. And again, here. The consultation responses are highlighted within the report on pages 18 to 27. An additional representation has since been received, um, highlighting some of the points which are already covered within the report, but also uh, density and impact upon conservation area and views of the church have also been raised. The application is accompanied by an environmental impact assessment due to the cumulative impact concerns uh, raised regarding highway implications and air quality. Highways have thoroughly assessed the information that has been submitted as part of the application and additional information has been sought as well. This additional information um, say was uh, looked into in terms of the vehicle movements and associated air quality. Similarly, Environmental Health has also looked at this information and additional information that has been submitted, together with a relative report that has been commissioned by the Parish Council and submitted during the course of the application. 
Through the assessment of the uh, additional information that has been received, uh, no objections have been concluded by Environmental Health or the Highways Authority. The location of the proposed development together uh, with the needs has been discussed within the uh, officer's report. Landscape impact as well as heritage impact has also been discussed um, in sections B. In terms of landscaping, the impact is considered to be moderate uh, but not substantial. Comments regarding the historic settlement patterns have also been uh, considered as part of the assessment of the application. Um, however, it's been, um, it's been considered that, the, that it would not represent significant harm to the heritage assets of uh, the village of Newport due to its location uh, of the development. No objections have been raised by archaeology, suds or ecology. It should be noted that since the assessment of the application, the Newport, Quendon and Rickling neighbourhood plan um, has reached Regulation 14 status. Uh, whilst this has limited weight now, it had no weight at the time of assessing the application. However, it is still a consideration. In assessing the application, the submitted information, representations and um, the additional information that has been sought, it's been concluded that no adverse effects, uh, well, it's been concluded that the adverse effects of granting planning permission would not significantly or demonstrably outweigh the benefits that would result from uh, this scheme, which is considered to be sustainable development, as outlined within the MPPS. Thereby, the application has been recommended for approval, subject to a Section 106 uh, obligation securing affordable housing, education and a contribution towards um, health care, and the conditions listed on pages 35 to 42, subject to amendments to Condition 6, uh, which replaces um, the word uh, prior approval of any reserved matters, with the wording following the completion of a programme of archaeological evaluation and condition 23, the wording to be amended uh, to read as follows. Prior to the occupation of any dwelling, uh, electrical vehicle charging points shall be provided. For the houses, these shall be incorporated within the garages or accessible from any on-plot parking spaces associated with that house. For any flats, one parking bay marked out for use by electrical vehicles only, together with charging infrastructure and cabling shall be provided, thereafter to be maintained and retained, maintained and retained as provided. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, thank you, Mrs Shoesmith. Uh, we have several speakers, so I'm going to take them in the order that they have proposed. So we'll start with Councillor Anthony Gerrard. Councillor, you have three minutes. I was going to get you shorter than that, but yeah, hang on. See how you go. Thank you very much. Um, fellow members of the committee, ladies and gentlemen, um, what we have before us today is yet another hugely damaging, speculative, unsustainable planning application by a major developer taking advantage of the current window of opportunity here in Uttlesford, where our local plan is out of date, 
our new plan at least a year away from coming into force and where our housing supply numbers sit below the five years required. This application spills out of Newport across seriously good countryside. No addition to any Newport village infrastructure, facilities or roads is included. It will funnel yet more traffic down Wiccan Road to the congested junction with our High Street, where UDC's own pollution monitoring already shows air pollution consistently above the legal limit. And that is before most of the 444 houses already permitted since 2011 are even built. I agree with the case officer that the proposal does not accord with the development plan due to conflicts with policies on location of housing, countryside character and the protection of agricultural land. However, I do not agree with the officer's recommendation that the proposal represents sustainable development in the context of the MPPF. Paragraph 14 states, and I quote, at the heart of the NPPF is a presumption in favour of sustainable development, which should be seen as a golden thread running through both plan making and decision taking. For decision taking this means approving development proposals that accord with the development plan and where the development plan is absent, silent or relevant policies are out of date, granting permission unless any adverse impacts of doing so would significantly and demonstrably outweigh the benefits when assessed against the policies or the framework taken as a whole. So the question before you here today, committee, is, are rather, what are the adverse impacts? Two, what are the benefits? And thirdly, is the development sustainable? Now the case officer has offered the following benefits. Enhancement to the vitality of the rural community, which she applies moderate weight. Contribution towards housing land supply, again moderate weight. As far as adverse impacts, harm to the countryside character, moderate weight. Loss of best and most versatile agricultural land, negligible or limited weight. And the reduction in air quality, which is offered negligible weight. Now, concerning the officer's negligible weighting for a reduction in air quality, I understand that as a result of more recent high readings on Wiccan Road that UDC's Environmental Health Department are currently working on extending pollution monitoring levels to other locations in Newport. However, the officer's recommendation to you is flawed as the following six adverse material considerations have been omitted which you need to consider. Substandard and dangerous road access, locating houses in a noise polluted environment adjacent to the M11, destruction of woodland and wildlife, and further shortage of primary school places already in deficit. In addition, it's contrary to the UDC Local Plan Regulation 18, and it's contrary to the Newport Quendon Rickling Neighbourhood Plan Regulation 14 already published and now in six weeks consultation period, which now carries some weight. So you now have nine adverse impact material considerations to consider. And after the speakers to follow me, you also have the evidence to support you giving weight to them. To decide whether the development is sustainable, we look to the NPPF, which clearly stipulates the purpose of planning is to help achieve sustainable development. And it defines sustainable as ensuring that better lives for ourselves does not mean worse lives for future generations. 
It's about change for the better, not only our built environment. Finally, if the committee is mindful of a likely appeal if it refuses the application, please be encouraged that by early 2019, Newport will have its neighbourhood plan in force, which will carry significant weight within the three-year housing supply rule, which we currently have. It's also likely that the local plan will be at Regulation 19, which will also carry significant weight. So, in conclusion, I have no doubt that after due consideration, you will make the right decision by concluding that in accordance with the MPPF, the adverse impacts of granting permission will significantly and demonstrably outweigh the benefits and therefore the application must be refused. To approve it would be contrary to the evidence, contrary to the law and contrary to our duty to our community to protect them and their children from dangerous, unsustainable development. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Councillor Gerard. Uh, Judy Emanuel? No, they've changed the order. Good afternoon. Three minutes, Judy. Thank you very much. At the request of Newport Parish Council, UDC have been monitoring air quality levels at the bottom of Wickham Road since September 2017. The nitrogen dioxide levels recorded have been steadily increasing and have been consistently above the legal limit of 40 micrograms. March's level was 45.1. According to UDC's published figures, the levels recorded in Newport are higher than many locations recorded within Saffron Walden. They are also on a par with levels published for Long Road in Cambridge. We consulted Anne Lee Moore, Environmental Health Officer for UDC, who advised that ideally we would need a year's worth of air quality data to be able to declare an AQMA for Newport. We also consulted the DEFRA Air Quality Management Help Desk, who shared our concern that such levels are being experienced in a rural location, and stated in a follow-up email that an AQMA should be declared if these exceedances persist. The levels are higher than anticipated, and so the Parish Council has requested that monitoring be extended to the whole village to assess the scale of the problem properly. The primary cause of air pollution is vehicle exhaust fumes, with a direct correlation between the volume of traffic and the increase in pollution. Air pollution triggers heart attacks and strokes and exacerbates respiratory conditions, including asthma. A study by the Royal College of Physicians estimated that it was linked to 40,000 premature deaths every year in the UK. Older people and children are among the most vulnerable. It is important to note that there is recent precedent for an application to be turned down on these grounds. In 2015, Swale Borough Council in Kent refused the planning application from Gladman Developments. In early 2017, the Planning Inspectorate upheld at appeal the Council's decision and found that the proposals had the potential for moderate or substantial adverse impacts on air pollution. Gladman then took the case to the High Court in October 2017, who also upheld the ruling, citing the environmental lawyer's Client Earth's cases against the UK Government. Client Earth have now won three cases in the last three years against the UK Government over the country's illegal and harmful levels of air pollution. The latest of these court cases was in February this year, where the judge declared the Government's failure to require action from local authorities flawed and unlawful. This ruling will force urgent changes to policy on air quality. If ministers fail to remedy the situation, lawyers have exceptional leave to bring a judicial review without seeking further permission. In conclusion, the seven months' worth of data for Newport show a very troubling upward trend and levels that are already breaching legal limits. 
given the already approved 46% increase in the size of the village without this application and the consequent increase in the number of vehicles, there are sufficient grounds to refuse this application for its impact on air quality. We have a legal duty of care to protect the health and safety of existing and future residents of Newport. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr Bruce Bamber. Mr Bamber, you have three minutes. Thank you, Chairman. My name is Bruce Bamber, Director of Railton TPC Limited. I have 25 years' experience working in transport planning. The Highway Authority deems a planning condition necessary to provide a continuous footway between the site access and the existing footway along Wiccan Road. Essex County Council's website shows a strip of highway land only six metres in width west from where the existing footway ends, insufficient to provide both a carriageway and a footway. I have spoken with the owner of the property on the southern side where the footway is proposed. He has not been approached by the applicant about using his land to accommodate a footway. I do not believe that a condition is enforceable and it is not therefore compliant with the tests set out in the NPPF. Without the footway, the development ceases to be acceptable from a highways perspective for reasons of highway safety. The Wiccan Road High Street Junction is a concern. The junction is particularly sensitive because footways on Wiccan Road are narrow. A significant proportion of the traffic using the junction comprises vans and lorries that cannot negotiate the junction without encroaching into the paths of other vehicles, mounting or overswinging the footways. There is on-street parking on Wiccan Road, 30 metres from the junction, and air quality is poor. It is the route that the vast majority of the site's vehicles and pedestrians will use. I have reviewed the modelling of the junction and it is clear that the method used to average traffic flows has made it impossible to properly calibrate the model. I also note that no traffic associated with the many new developments around Berry Water Lane has been assumed to use Wiccan Road as a means of avoiding delays at the Berry Water Lane High Street Junction, particularly during the morning peak hour. Queues and delays at the Wiccan Road High Street Junction will be significantly greater than predicted by the applicant. More frequent and longer queues will increase the frequency of larger vehicles being forced to mount or overswing the narrow footways and thus put pedestrians at risk. Stationary queues of traffic have an adverse impact in terms of air quality. There is likely to be increased pressure for drivers to use sensitive and inappropriate alternative routes such as Church Street. In summary, The necessary footway on Wiccan Road cannot be delivered. The proposals are not therefore acceptable for highway safety reasons. The proposals will also lead to significant adverse impacts at the Wiccan Road High Street Junction, a junction that cannot be improved. In my professional opinion, these failings make the proposals unacceptable in highways terms. Thank you, Chairman. Thanks, Mr. Bamber. Uh, Mr. Broomhead. You have three minutes. Thank you. 
Uh, Anthony Broomhead, uh, professional engineer, civil engineer and structural engineer for over 35 years. The developer's consultant recognises that the proposed junction design for the primary access does not comply with TD 4295. This is the Highways England design guide for road junctions adopted by Essex Highways. But it doesn't comply with mandatory parts of this document, Clause 215. The access road would not have just marginally more flow on it, but two and a half times the permitted traffic flow for this type of junction. Nor does it comply with recommended safety standards. Nowhere is it recognised that the B1083 Wiccan Road along the length of the site boundary is of substandard width. And for 100 metres each side of the proposed access has a paved width of only 5.2 metres. Less down to 5 metres between the edge white line demarcation. Obviously requiring that vehicles have to move into the path of oncoming vehicles to pass cyclists or horses. Nor is it recognised anywhere in the documentation that the road has an incline of 7%. TD 4295 recommends, for safety reasons, that junctions of the type proposed should be on level ground or where gradient does not exceed 2%. Not only does the proposed primary access not comply, but the primary road is substandard and the proposed location fails to meet safety standards. Now, the officer's report in Section C Transport makes reference to Gen 1, but nowhere is there a statement of compliance with this planning policy, which states that development will only be permitted if it meets all of the five stated criteria. Now, just taking three of these, access to the main road network must be capable of carrying the traffic generated by the development safely. It fails on this ground, as already stated. The design of the site must not compromise road safety and must take account of the needs of cyclists, horse riders and other slow-moving people. It fails on this ground, as already stated. Other criteria. The development encourages movement by means other than car. The proposal is for 70% of movements by car. Surely it fails on this ground. So the development access would seem to fail on not just one, but three of the five required criteria, two being public safety. Now it is agreed by the developer that other forms of junction, i.e. Ghost Island, do not work safely either. It is not good enough to accept a non-compliant, unsafe junction because another form cannot be provided. This would be neglecting our duty of care to the public. The real point is that a safe compliant junction cannot be provided at this location within the site constraints. So in summary, the access proposed fails to meet mandatory requirements for junction design, fails to meet recommended safety standards and fails to meet three of the five criteria of Gen 1. Can I remind you that development will only be permitted if it meets all the criteria of Gen 1. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Broomhead. Uh, 
Councillor Howard Bowman, Newport Parish Council. And you're going to stick to three minutes, aren't you, Mr Bowman? This beautiful, historic and valued area surrounding Newport, consisting of rolling ancient Essex countryside and a nucleated settlement along the Cam Valley, is recognised in the Essex Landscape Character Assessment as an area with high sensitivity to change. The Cam Valley Landscape Assessment is referenced in the adopted Newport Conservation Area Report and is representative of the special characteristics noted in the Regulation 18 of the Local Plan Policy C1 to protect our views and special landscapes. The Essex Assessment therefore carries significant weight. At 6.1 hectares, this application is defined as a major urban development and will have the highest impact. It even uses a photograph of this site to demonstrate the point. Damaging the upland views is contrary to the relevant national and local policies and is detailed most exactly in Regulation 18 of C1, Protection of the Landscape Character. This policy is specific to this type of landscape. It was strongly supported in a recent consultation. Of particular note is that it has already been quoted in an officer report and given weight. This application would significantly alter the historic pattern by creating a new isolated estate outside the valley in open countryside and beyond the settlement limits as set out in policy S3. Newport has been contained within this valley for all of its existence. Public footpath 41, the Harkham Low Way, an established long-distance footpath providing an ecologically valuable corridor of deciduous trees rich with insects and birds, runs right through the middle of the site. This footpath, promoted in Uttlesford's own publication, is extensively used. Whatever layout may be altered internally as a reserve matter, this development will sever the footpath with a full-width access road pavements and street lighting, thus destroying the historic field pattern and a large section of the footpath, so this must be considered at this stage. Local and national policies indicate that development should fit in with historic field and landscape patterns and even seek layouts which enhance them. This application clearly is not compliant with those principles. The approach to Newport will be changed from a rural aspect to a view of an urban sprawl covering a hill. The applicant even refers to the new junction on Wiccan Road as urban as an excuse for not doing a compliant junction. It will cause significant harm and damage to the landscape and amenity of the footpath and seriously conflict with the character of historic field and road patterns and appearance of ancient Essex countryside. Policy S7 indicates development will only be permitted if its appearance protects or enhances that particular part of the countryside. This application clearly does not. Finally, the application is therefore contrary to MPPF paragraph 17, 55, 109, ULP S7 and S3, Regulation 18 of ULP SP3, SP10 and C1. This site is not a boring field with machine-cut hedges. It is a seriously attractive and valuable landscape appreciated by Newport and the wider community. Please, will you apply these policies? Thanks, Mr Bowman. Uh, Councillor Stephen Ailes. You also have three minutes. Thank you. 
All the watches in Newport must be a little bit different to ours. <laughs> Removal of trees along the Wiccan Road. The Arbory Cultural Impact Assessment, commissioned by the developer, states that 1,500 square metres of trees are to be removed, predominantly along the Wiccan Road. If the woodland along the Wiccan Road is taken in isolation, the existing 4,900 square metres of woodland will be reduced to 3,000 square metres, after allowing for the required sight lines and pavement. However, in order to create the required sight lines, significant earth moving has to take place to move the two metre high embankment back by up to 10 metres in places. All the trees along the frontage will have to be removed back behind the new embankment line and beyond, as trees with roots in the embankment will be damaged and affected trees will become potentially unsafe. Overall, 2,500 square metres of existing trees will have to be removed. That's about 50% of the existing woodland on Wiccan Road, with at least 70% of the trees to the west of the proposed access having to be removed before any replanting. The plans show that in some areas, a 25-metre band of existing trees will have to be reduced to just 7 metres. The screening effect of the existing tree bank to the west of the proposed access will be very significantly reduced. All low-level screening will be removed to create the new embankment and the volume of mature trees up to 8 metres high will be reduced by 70%. Further, the proposed build heights along this frontage are 11 metres, overtopping by 3 metres the few mature trees that will remain. The access road will be lit and will have full pavement widths either side, further reducing the rural woodland character. And this extends into the site, cutting through the midline of existing woodland, changing its character, reducing its amenity value. The officer's report weighs this damage as only moderate. But how can this be right? The woodland character of the frontage is to a great extent destroyed and the screening effect rendered minimal. The amenity value of the internal woodland is, significant, is significantly lost as an urban-style road with pavement lighting is carved through it. Please reject this application. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr Ailes. And finally, Councillor Neil Hargraves. You have five minutes, Neil. Thank you. This application offers no benefit to the community or the district. It will pay only the bare minimum of education and health contribution, and that's it. There's nothing for local roads or the congested B1383, nothing towards the sports and community facilities that residents of this site would use. It offers no employment, and in a village with few jobs, that means most people would drive to work. For the primary school, Essex say, even combining numbers with Clavering and Rickling, they would still be 48 places short. Now, Newport Primary has just been expanded, but a recent permission has now blocked it in, and Essex warned they can't add another year group. So if children can't even go to primaries in the neighbouring villages, how far are they, are they going? Now, if jobs... And getting to primary school means serious commuting. That breaches NPPF paragraph 37, which requires development to minimise journey lengths. Now, we're always told we can't object on school places, but it's time to stop building houses without schools, and we can object on school commuting, NPPF 37. The 
Officer reports of the development would add vitality to the village. Well, it had vitality in 2011 when it had 974 houses. Since then, another 440 houses have been permitted, of which 356 are not yet built. So we're going to have a lot more vitality. But people won't be walking to the coach and horses from this site. It's too far. The only vitality from this disconnected estate means lots more traffic uh, and overloaded infrastructure. I honestly don't think we need more vitality. Now, the published neighbourhood plan for here is positive towards development. Every policy in it is compliant with the MPPF and both the old and new local plans. Government policy is to build on brownfield first. The neighbourhood plan has large site allocations on the other side of the village. These are quarries, no longer viable, and none of the disadvantages of this site. They don't feed traffic into the village centre. They have safe vehicle access, close to the station and the village hall, and they're inside the Cam Valley. But above all, they do not involve building on greenfield, or cutting down trees, or damaging the views in all directions, or trashing footpaths. So the plan directs building away from this very best agricultural attractive rolling landscape on the west and directs it to the used sites on the inside of the valley on the east. It's a good plan. So that's policy S7 and government brownfield first policy applies here. So this application is contrary to no fewer than 10 neighbourhood plan, plan policies, air quality on footpaths on countryside, policies relating to development locations and policy to mitigate traffic impacts. The site is also contrary to the adopted village plan and despite being put forward it is excluded from the local plan. It is not needed to make up the plan numbers. On uh, air pollution, a couple of residents living in the polluted central area keep complaining to me about their breathing and they say it's caused by the traffic pollution. But you know, I was pretty sceptical about this. But now UDC have published the nitrogen dioxide readings nearby, and I've read the analyses about the premature deaths every year from traffic pollution. I, I think I was wrong. Um, you can't say for certain that a few individuals prove the, the statistics, but it's got to be someone. So, members of the committee, uh, there are many things that people bring to us that we can't really do much about. But in this case, you can do something to stop dangerous air pollution getting worse. It's over the legal limit now. Permit this application and the damage is done and there is no realistic remediation. So that is policy ENV 13 and MPPF paragraph 124. Thank you very much. Thank you, Councillor Hargreaves. Um, we have no other speakers at this point. Have we got the agent? Oh, I haven't got it on their list. I have the agent, sorry. Rosanna Metcalf. And Rosanna, I can give you up to 28 minutes. <laughs> I've only prepared three. That sounds fine. <laughs> Good afternoon Chair and members of the committee. Um, my name is Rosanna from the Savills Planning Team in Cambridge and I'm <coughs> speaking today on behalf of the applicant Countryside Properties. Countryside are multi-award winning house builders. They focus on delivering high quality, well-designed, sustainable homes and communities. 
They are responsible for a number of, uh, the, the, the delivery of a number of successful and high-quality developments in the area, including Mandeville Place in Saffron Walden and Great Notley Garden Village near Braintree. This ethos is reflected in the proposals for consideration today. We undertook early and extensive pre-application discussions with landscape and planning officers, which has resulted in a landscape-led approach with the development surrounded by extensive open space and mature planting. The proposal has been subject to an EIA, the purpose of which is to help the Council consider the environmental impacts of the proposed scheme in great detail. Pre-application discussions were also undertaken with County Highways, who have raised no objections to either the proposed access into the site or the impact on the surrounding highway network. We have engaged closely with your environmental health officers in considering the impact the proposals could have on air quality and noise. Your officer has not objected to the proposals, concluding that the objective for nitrogen dioxide will not be breached. As a result, your officer's report concludes that the reduction in air quality should be afforded negligible weight when considering the planning balance of this proposal. This proposal will deliver much-needed new homes in the district. 40% of the homes will be affordable, and the mix will be policy-compliant and include bungalows and homes for first-time buyers. In consider of this application, the provision of new homes should be afforded significant weight, as concluded by the inspectors on all recent local appeal decisions. In addition to the provision of new homes and the extensive public open space, the proposal also provides land for an extension to the existing allotments, new footpath links to the village, and contributions towards the NHS, education and play. The site is adjacent to the village primary school and early year centre, and young children will only have a short work to school. The site, within the key village of Newport, is also within walking distance of the train station, secondary school, GP surgery and shops and services on London Road. As noted in your planning officer's report, any perceived harmful impact of the proposals do not significantly and demonstrably outweigh the benefits. There are no technical objections and the delivery of 150 high-quality new homes will contribute towards the Council's five-year housing land supply. We hope that you are able to support the officer's recommendation of approval. Thank you. Thank you, Rosanna. Um, we have no other speakers at this point, so it's open to the committee. Um, we have somebody from transport here, from highways. Yes, we have someone from highways and we have someone from environmental health here. So any questions specifically for highways, we'll put them in the chair, okay? Councillor Fairhurst and then Lodge. Thank you, Mr Chairman. I'm particularly keen to hear from the highways on this because I feel we've been let down. Um, we were there today and by no stretch of the imagination was this a safe access point. I have many other points, but I'd love to know how highways can find no problems with this process. Um, and I'd love them to answer it if they could, please. Matthew, if you'd like to answer that directly, please. Chair, thank you, Chairman. Uh, good afternoon, members. I'm Matthew Bradley, Essex County Council, Strategic Development. Um, could, I, could I just clarify that? that could, could you just repeat the question again for me? Because I was just uh, preparing my things as I uh, come across there. Thank you. 
With pleasure. Thank you. Um, and I'm really pleased that you can make it to today. It's very important. This is one of the, one of the big issues in this planning application. Um, we had a number of, of speakers who discussed the implications, and I don't pretend, pretend to have any kind of knowledge on highways at all, so I'm, I'm hoping you can clarify a number of points to me. But the big issue for me was we stood on that road today, um, and our evidence was, was, was ob observation. That is a very rather nice road for driving a fast car. Um, it is not a nice car for, a road for riding a horse or driving with safety or having any kind of pedestrian access. Um, and certainly not one would even conceive of putting an access there. So could you explain that to me, please? Certainly. Um, essentially, um, what we've done and, and, and common practice is that when we look at kind of development proposals that are coming forward, and, and these are put in front of us, obviously, by developers, they're not something that the highway authority has come up with themselves. Um, we, the, one of the first things we would do is look at the speed limit of the road. In this case, it's national speed limit. That's 60 miles an hour, meaning, meaning cars that can legally travel at that speed. But one of the things is that the characteristics of that road don't lend themselves to vehicles being able to travel at 60 miles per hour. So we would ask a developer to go out, put down loops to actually record the actual real speed of vehicles on the network. We would then look at uh, the 85th percentile speed of traffic, so the speed of traffic at which 85% of the vehicles that pass that loop are actually travelling at, um, and use that figure to determine what visibility displays are actually required, and that's in accordance with, uh, with, with practice, which we do across the county in terms of determining visibility displays. In this particular case, um, as, you're, as you're sitting in the access waiting to come out, if you like, looking to your left-hand side, we've got visibility displays of 140 metres that are required, and the actual speed of vehicles that were recorded was 42.7 miles an hour. Um, from, the, uh, from the other direction, so vehicles coming from your right, the traffic approach side, uh, we've got vehicles, uh, the actual visibility display proposes 120 metres, um, and, that, uh, and the speeds that were recorded were 38.5 miles an hour. So in, in, in terms of the actual access itself, we're satisfied that the visibility displays that can be proposed, and, and obviously what's on the ground at the moment isn't, it doesn't show that in any way, shape or form, because there is a, um, a hedge along the site frontage. Um, so we're satisfied from a highway viewpoint that that falls in the standards that we're, we're satisfied with. Uh, hopefully that explains that, that part of the question. Um, certainly, I, I, I can't imagine. Uh, can I ask you, please, when you went out there and, and when did you check that, 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 that those displays? Uh, the site was looked at by a couple of my colleagues. I didn't look at the site myself. I, I sort of manage a team of, uh, of, of, sort of six officers responsible for sort of North Essex. Um, I haven't got a date in front of me when the officers went out, but they have attended on site, looked at the, uh, the junctions and the surrounding areas, and um, yeah, we have carried out a site visit. Thank you very much. Um, and any question of horses driving past and slow vehicles and things, well, that's not taken into consideration. I think uh, in, in terms of that, I mean, of, of course, I totally understand that this is a rural area and there's going to be a lot of cyclists, a lot of horse riders and, and use of the network. I mean, uh, I, I would suspect that, you know, whilst there is a, a significant use of, of, the, of the roads, that wouldn't be one you would choose to be on for very long if you were a cyclist or a horse rider. You would probably choose other routes if you, if you possibly could. Having sorry, said, I must interrupt you there. The point is, we, sorry, I must interrupt. Uh, that's not, yep. Right, please. I'm sorry, that's, 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 that's disingenuous, with all due respect. Um, we, are, we are looking at an application here which will put 150 houses. They have nowhere else to go. So it's not a question of choice. It's no good saying that they can choose somewhere else. If there are helipads anywhere else, I agree. But don't, let's not say it's a question of choice. That's not fair. 
I think we've slightly misunderstood each other. What I, what I was suggesting was that the rural road network will always carry lots of cyclists, horse riders and other people doing things other than driving a private car. The highway network doesn't just exist for the, for the purposes of the private car or the private commuter. Um, in connection with this site, what we, have, what we have done in conjunction with the applicant is, is looked at how access from this site will be made to the village. Of course, you know, people are going to want to travel between this site. What's wrong with this? People don't want to travel between this site and, uh, and the village. And, and in that regard, um, we've looked at provision of a footway along the, uh, along the frontage of Wickham Road um, to connecting with existing footway facilities and, uh, and are confident that that can be delivered. And in additionally, you'll see that uh, from the plans that we had, there are three other accesses which go into joining with the existing estate road network um, lying behind the development site, you know, one of which will certainly be purpose-built for cyclists in order to access sort of local services and facilities. So in that regard, I think the site itself, um, in terms of connectivity, we've, we've made um, you know, the opportunities are there. We've taken up those opportunities and made sure that it is connected to the, to the wider network. In terms of actual users of the, the main road network, in terms of horses and cyclists that may be along Wiccan Road and that kind of thing, our normal source um, for looking for anything to do with that would be a review of accident data to find out whether there had been any accidents or incidents involving those kind of vulnerable users. And in this particular case, there has been no recorded accidents along that, that, that section of road. Um, Thank you. Ma Matthew, while you're in the chair, Paul, I'm just going to interrupt you. Um, the traffic consultant made a few points, so if you could just respond to the TD4595 comment, clause 215, two and a half times the permitted traffic flow, a 7% gradient, and the primary road being substandard, in that order. What we've, what we've got here is a, um, uh, which is a site which is um, uh, located on a on, on, off of B Road, essentially. It's part of what is known as the, the local highways network. That means it's not part of the strategic roads network, which is trunk roads and motorways. Now, the, um, the, guidance, the guidance contained in the manual, which has been referred to, the TD42 and 95, is a document that was produced by the highways agency for looking at highway standards as regards the, the strategic road network. So that is the network of trunk roads and motorways across the county. Now that always used to be the go-to document for um, local highways authorities in looking at kind of impact on the local road network. However, since that time, since that time there's been a lot of other guidance that has come out, which is a manual for streets documentation, which looks at, um, looks at in greater detail at kind of how designs and et cetera would manifest themselves. Um, so therefore, what we're saying is that whilst we, whilst we do look at the document, at the document TD 42 of 95 in terms of junction access, it's not the only source of information and we have other, other sources of information which are available to us to actually draw our conclusions. Some of that includes manual for streets information where, where that's applicable. Some of it is our own design standards. And, um, and as I say, that, I mean, the primary issue here, I think, in terms of the actual access arrangements themselves are, are twofold. One is the visibility splays, which I've already discussed, and we've actually determined the visibility, the visibility splays through um, you know, some tests, which have survey work, which has gone out on the ground. The other issue that has been raised in connection with 40, the TD42 of 95 is uh, the provision of a right turning lane at that location to serve the site access. 
uh, we've looked at that in some detail and, um, and essentially that document for DTD 42 of 95 contains a graph within it which gives some suggested junction arrangements depending upon the, um, the volume of traffic using a particular road. Um, so it sets the major road, uh, i.e. The, the main road, the B road in this case, against the minor road, i.e. The, the actual access into the site, and looks at the volume of traffic using those, and, uh, and then concludes what kind of junction arrangement might be appropriate. It's true that purely looking at volumes, that this... Um, uh, that this junction actually falls just within, it's very marginal, just within the range that you might start to consider a right turning lane being provided. But what we've actually done is then gone further than that. We've actually looked at where the actual traffic will be distributed to from this particular development. Uh, now, unsurprisingly, the traffic distributed from this development is heading towards the main road network, either B1383 uh, primarily, and therefore most of and therefore, most of the time, you've got um, traffic turning right out of the uh, junction and turning left into the junction. So, by, by far and away, that is the sort of the main flows. You have, of course, got some traffic which is turning out to the uh, uh, to the left um, on exit in the site and turning right into the site, but they're very few and far between. And therefore, in this case, we didn't think that a, uh, a right turn lane was justified in this particular situation for that very reason. Um, that, that's essentially uh, TD 42 of 95. Um, I think the other paragraph, which was referred to the 2.15, I haven't actually got a copy of TD 42 of 95 in front of me to actually refer to what that actually says. Um, but, I mean, my comments would be that it would be that that the actual guidance in TD 42 and 95 is primarily designed for trunk roads and therefore it may not necessarily be applicable in this particular case as regards this, this, um, this, this application. Um, and I think my same comment follows for the uh, for the comment about two and a half times the, um, the, the the volume of traffic on the road. I mean, what what we do in terms of assessing the capacity of uh, traffic on the network is by far and away that the, the main drawbacks on capacity along here would be the junctions rather than the actual sort of the actual ability of the road to carry volumes of traffic. So what we're talking about is not the lengths of road that have capacity problems. It's actually the junctions where they intersect with something else. We've looked at that quite closely in terms of the junction with Wickham Road and the B1383, and, and we've made our conclusions which are contained within the, within the report. <coughs> Mr. Brown's going to ask a question as well, Matthew. Yeah, sorry, Matt. Just to pick up one of the questions raised by one of the speakers about the, the inability to provide the footway. Um, one of the con suggested conditions is condition 4 and C states a footway to be provided along the entire front site frontage on Wickham Road to, to tie into the existing footway to the east, measured at a maximum two metres wide, where achievable based upon the availability of highway land. And now, I think me reading that condition in full um, sort of answers that question, but can you just clarify what if the, that, that can't be provided at all? And as, is, there a, is there a width of footpath that becomes completely impractical and what the implications are of that? Yeah, we, we, have, uh, we have looked at, at this situation. There is, there is a point, uh, quite rightly, that where, the, where the highway boundary does tighten up on the, on the, on the edge of the site. Um, so essentially we're confident that a two-metre footway can be provided across, across the site frontage um, where the applicant controls all of the land. 
Now, in conjunction with the rest of it, the highway boundary has been investigated and it, it looks as if a 1.5 width of footway will be achievable along, the, along that to connect in with the existing footway network. Uh, that has been looked at in some detail. Now, whether, whether that would require a slight amendment to the um, condition in that regard to, uh, to, to take note of that, that point, but we tried to word it so that it was... Uh, it was clear that two metres could provide, be provided for the larger amount of length, but one and a half for a very short period. Thank you. <coughs> Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Let me yield to other speakers until I can come back after the other, other highway questions. Fine. Councillor Lodge. In fact, Mr Chairman, you, uh, you, you, between you and Councillor Fairhurst, you picked up all of my questions on highways, but I will come back with other things later. Anybody else at this point? Uh, please, no. Councillor Lachlan, and I'll come back for that. Thank you. Um, well, I'm not going to talk about highways, and I do believe it is a sustainable site in planning terms, but I haven't seen this until today, and so I'd only read the report. But having seen it, and having read the Conservation Officer's report, uh, who actually gives us a clue that this is actually contrary to policy S7. Um, and all we have is an extract from the conservation officer, so I can't read it all, but I will read some. And she says, however, by and large, Newport is a linear historic village. The proposal would further exacerbate the departure from the historic concept. It is outside defined limit, development limits and therefore within the open countryside for planning policy purposes and I think that is the clue uh, and it says um, which should be protected for its own sake additionally it is on one of the principal entry routes into the settlement either by vehicle or foot as well as it can be crossed by a public footpath. And I know somebody mentioned about a footpath, which actually is a civil matter. It, it doesn't have any weight in, uh, in planning terms, so that would be something that would have to be sorted out if permission was given for this. Um, it says, clearly the change from an open field to a built form would intrinsically alter its character in terms of openness and visual character, which would ver be very noticeable to users of these routes. And also I would like to quote from the draft MPPF which came out in 2018, it's the new one, uh, and this is um, 15, conserving and enhancing the natural environment, um, paragraph B, um, and this is number 168, recognising the intrinsic character and beauty of the countryside and the wider benefits from natural capital, including the economic and other benefits of the best and most versatile agricultural land. And the problem is in Ecclesford that most of it, I believe, and uh, counts, um, Mr Brown will correct me if I'm wrong, I think it is actually C. Uh, but that is all of, across Arthur It doesn't have many, um, you know, hasn't got really sort of wonderful agricultural land. And that, that is all we have. Um, but and it also says, and protecting trees and woodland. Uh, so, you know, I've given this a lot of thought, and I'm not going to vote for this. I think it is very contrary to policy S7, and uh, I also think it's contrary to policy, hang on, and I found it a little while ago, um, 
Policy Gen 7, and I'm not sure, I'm sure that Mr. Brown would um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm happy to um, propose refusal on this site. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, yes, I think S S7 is a, is, a, is, a, is a gimmick. At the end of the day, um, we take a lovely little village like Newport and we, and we chuck houses at it um, and we destroy that incredible scenery. We were there today and it's a very pretty little village. The thought, and I, I'm disappointed that it's not mentioned in the, in the articles, we need to be led by our officers on this, that there are another 300 houses coming as well is, is, is pretty, pretty ghastly. But um, I, would, I would like to second Councillor Lachlan's on this for an, and other reasons. And I think the two issues we need to make quite clear here. I look at this picture, this, this diagram of the air quality assessment, and this also wasn't in our pack. And the thought that, that low I'm weight... I'm going to stop you there. It's not in our pack because it shouldn't be in our pack because it was issued not through an officer as such. So therefore... Sorry, can I ask know. a question? Is it factual? Uh, well, we don't know because it oh. hasn't been... I, I take your point, Paul, no, well, I, This wasn't in my pack either. No, so it's, it's, it's not, it's either not they're in both inadmissible or they're both admissible. I must ask you. That's a, that's a simple question. But, but whether it is or isn't, the issue is this. If this committee is going to ignore or add lightweight to air quality in, in, in Uttlesford, we're in serious trouble. That's a major issue. I don't think anyone around this table disagrees with me on that. That's the first thing. The second thing which, which worries me a lot is we were told three years ago and, and every year since then, get out and do a neighbourhood plan because that's one way you can have some control over your future. And what these chaps have done at Newport is they've actually done a neighbourhood plan and now we're going to add very little weight to it because you know, it didn't get in in time. So I strongly, strongly object to this process. I think we're doing things all wrong and we come across as amateurs. I strongly second, second that view. Um, yeah, we're going to clarify a few points and then I'll come back to the other officers before I take your seconding. Mr Brown. Council first, we need to get this back onto the, the debate, but in terms of process, we have a planning application and we have an adopted local plan for 2005. We have a Regulation 18 moving towards Regulation 19 local plan, which has some weight but minimal weight. We have a neighbourhood plan that has been submitted to the authority during the processing of this application. And I should add, it's not a race. This is not a race. The neighbourhood plan, now is because it's now in the public arena, in the consultation, I believe, has started, that has very little weight, but it is there. And that is no doing of the local planning authority that has suddenly arrived. The matters in front of you today, the stuff in front of you today, apart from one item that doesn't relate to this application, was sent to office members on Friday. So that is not something that has been sent to you lately. It is just being put on your desk as a paper form to remind you. And the other piece of paper that, you remind, that you've got on, the objectors have presented that with us today. And we cannot be answerable to that issue whatsoever. We have environmental health available for questions around the air quality issues. But I just want to make sure that, you know, members, you know, please don't criticise the process. We are where we are with a number of things coming in from left field and the neighbourhood plan thing was something that came in from left field. It's not an app. It should be submitted in its own right, not as something just to try to scupper a planning application and that's not what it was put in for. The timing has coincided. 
Thank you, Mr. Brown. I, I concede entirely. The, the question of the neighborhood plan is it's important because it, it's something we take quite seriously. The issue of these, though, it, it seems worrying to me or disturbing to me that these, this information is out there. People are doing this. It looks very impressive to me. And it says 40 MCGs, whatever they may mean, is, is illegal or I presume is unlawful and dangerous to the health. Um, but this is not mentioned in our packs. And if this information is available to some people, not to others, they may not getting the, whole, the full facts. So we're all signing a document saying, let's go ahead of the process knowing or not knowing the, 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 the danger of the process. Um, that worries me a little bit. Councillor Lodge and then Councillor Freeman. Thank you very, thank you very much. Um, I'm going to come back to air quality because uh, I think there, there is some uh, significant permissible information in the, uh, in the pack. Uh, but first of all, just to agree totally with Councillor Lochlin on this on uh, S7. Um, we've, we have actually, in fact agreed on this quite, quite a lot in the past and I think this is probably one of the most significant areas where this is a piece of land which really is worthy of preservation under the MPPF and under almost any other um, considerations and I think it, it's very telling that the conservation officer did in fact endorse this Councillor Lachlan read out some of that so I think that almost in its own that is a, a reason for refusing the development. Coming on to air quality whilst the, um, the, the, this latest plan is, is a projection and so um, we, we, we haven't digested it. Um, it, it. It may well be correct, but it certainly shows a trend. The figures which were presented to us do actually show an exceedance at the moment of over 40, 40 uh, milligrams per whatever the uh, measurement is. Uh, very similar to a lot of places around Saffron Walden, which is in the uh, air quality management area already. And I understand that uh, should, should this village be um, declared in a QMA, we're probably one of the first villages in the country to do it. So we are dealing with a serious problem here. And to say that this is a negligible weight in the, in the consideration to me is really very, very bad indeed. I think, I think that um, that is a, 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 a totally wrong consideration. Um, I think that maybe we should, we should have the uh, quality officer talk to us about this and why uh, she seems to be discounting the trend that, it, that is going on there. Uh, and it's a trend which is going to get dramatically worse because we know we've got 400 other houses which are possibly going to be feeding in that. We, have, uh, we are heading towards a situation here which is even worse than parts of Saffron Walden. And that is pretty bad to, uh, to say that. Could I also, if we're going to look at a little bit more detail on air quality, I didn't see considerations about um, air quality from the M11, whether that is a consideration for the nearer parts of the development. And also I wonder whether any figures had been published on uh, noise pollution. We looked at this carefully on uh, another recent application. So I wonder, Mr. Chairman, whether it would be worthwhile talking to... Uh, our air quality of uh, environmental, <coughs> environmental health officer at this point. Yep, it's fine. Matthew, can I give up your seat and we'll put the environmental... There's here. Oh, there's another one there. Okay, no, stay there. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Did you want me to answer a specific question? Um, 
think if you respond to Councillor Fairhurst's and Councillor Lodge's point regarding the readings that we're getting as regards the averages that would normally be acceptable and where we're going from here. Okay, thank you. Yes. Um, the uh, environmental health section does accept that there will be an increase in emissions which is um, of concern at, at that location but um, the indications from our monitoring to date don't suggest that the annual mean is going to exceed the objective. It, it's, you have to be very careful in um, looking at monthly readings and then coming to the conclusion that the annual mean is exceeded because this is, is not correct. Um, our experience is that levels are always high over the winter months and of course we've only been monitoring at the location since September so we've captured all the winter months. Um, they can reduce substantially in the summer months, some locations more than others but obviously this produces a lowering in the annual mean. The other thing is that the diffusion tubes always overread, um, and in the last seven years this has resulted in a a reduction in the readings because they have to be adjusted against automatic monitoring data. So we can't be sure but the indications are that the annual mean won't be exceeded um, in 2018 and are unlikely to be exceeded in the opening year of 2021 for this development. Um, we would need to monitor till the end of the calendar year 2018 to be sure of that and then it will take a few more months to get the annual mean uh, because it has to be ratified against the automatic station data for the whole of 2018. Um, so our conclusions are that um, with, with mitigation it would be unsound to, to refuse this application on air quality grounds, although of course we are concerned at the rise in emissions, that's why um, we've recommended mitigation. Um, I think there was a question also about the M11, we do monitor at locations along the M11. Um, the only place where we've got an exceedance of the M11 is um, uh, on, the, on the actual embankment, very close to the carriageway. And certainly as you go away from the carriageway, the, the um, emissions drop quite rapidly. So I don't think emissions from the M11 are um, of concern for the actual future occupiers. Um, there was a question also about noise levels. We, we did look at the noise assessments and are concerned at the levels of noise on the site, which is why we've asked for mitigation to meet the um, British standard levels, um, particularly in, in the outdoor areas, which may be quite difficult to achieve, but I think with careful design, they can be achieved. Thank you. Councillor Lodge. Yes, sorry, just to just come back now with some specific uh, quest questions on that. Um, I'm, and I'll go through the questions in, in turn and leave them to answer in turn as well. Uh, presumably then there must be a, a, a pretty standard methodology for extrapolating those winter figures into summer figures from similar um, junctions in, uh, in other parts of the uh, district and even in the country. So couldn't that not have been done to give us a, a, a proper view on, on an annual basis? Um, secondly, probably even more importantly, is what, some, what work has been done on factoring in the effect of the extra 400 houses on top of what we're seeing at the moment? Um, 
I must have missed the mitigation, so uh, I probably did miss it. Uh, you could maybe tell me what that is. Um, and in fact, those are the three questions. Um, to answer the, the, the first question with regards to the annual mean, um, we would be able to get an annual mean figure for September to December from the levels recorded. Um, we can't actually do this until we've got the automatic station ratified, the data from the automatic station ratified, which hasn't been completed. It's almost complete, but it hasn't been completed yet. Um, so we could get an indication of that within the next few weeks. Um, but looking at other diffusion tube sites in Saffron Walden, to compare those sites with um, the monitoring tube in Wickham Road, um, the other sites in Saffron Walden, we, we usually get um, close to the objective or slightly above, and, and seven of those were quite well in exceedance of the reading at Wickham Road um, over the winter months. Um, for example, we were getting levels of um, uh, 50 and 49 at some of the sites. Um, Just put back in while you're doing that. I was asking for um, a, a mathematical process for working out what the annual mean would be from half of the year. That's actually a simply pretty simple process, I would have thought. You no. must have been asked that before. Oh, well, yes, you can get the annual mean, and, and that is given. Sorry, the, the mean for the month's monitor, and that's given in my report, which, which was 38 from September to December. Um, it was 44 from January to April. And to compare that to Saffron Morden, there was levels of 50, 47, 47, 52 in Stansted. Um, so this was 44 in Wickham Road. Um, but to get the actual two, to get an accurate annual mean from that, which is um, the bias-adjusted annual mean, you can't do that until early 2019. Which is Sorry, I, I, I really don't understand or accept it. If We've been doing figures in Saffron Walden with a pattern, summer and winter, for many, many years. You could extrapolate from that pattern to the half of the year that we've got and give an annual mean. Surely, it's simple math, simple physics. Not really, not for the same location. You know, if you've got um, one figure at a location in Saffron Walden, you can't equate that to... A um, no, I'm not asking for the figures to be equated. I'm asking for the methodology to be equated. Oh, That's simple science. Sorry, I, I thought I'd explain that, that you can get a mathematical mean figure for whatever period you're looking at, but to get the ratified annual mean is a different process. I know, I know that you can't get a ratified figure because we're looking for the past. The year hasn't happened yet. But you should be able to take from all of your experience and say the summer figures, we've, the winter figures we've got are these. Therefore, the winter figures will be from those actual figures collected in Newport. Yes, yeah, that, that, that was included in, in my report. And, and from the uh, readings to date, I... Um, I would imagine or predict that the reading is going to be about 36 to 38 as an annual mean in Newport. Okay, thanks. Go on to <laughs> labour that one. Go on to the same. Can you 
you remind me of the second question? The second question is, what work have you done on adding the 400 uh, houses yes, that yes. are in process plus these 150, an extra 550 yes. houses on top of a, a mean which is looking to be about 36, 38 at the moment? Yes, that, that, that was, um, we haven't done that ourselves because it, it, it does involve quite a lot of modelling work. Um, the applicant has done that and come out with um, the um, predicted increases at about 20 receptors throughout the village. The, um, the, the greatest increase, um, as would be expected, is at the junction with Wiccan Road and the High Street, and, and that's an increase of about one milligram. But it takes into account all the committed development in the village, including the development on London Road. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to cut through this because I think I know where we're going anyway. Um, I understand your point about pro rata. All right, it makes perfect sense. Um, we have got to increase or we've got a substantial increase in numbers of housing. I'm going to take Councillor Freeman and then I'm going to try and wrap this up, okay? Yes, thank you, Chairman. Uh, I'm reluctant to spend much time on this because I'm aware my colleagues have already <laughs> taken up a lot of the debate. Uh, it would be nice to have contributions for others, but I certainly agree with Councillor Lachlan, uh, the second paragraph of the Conservation Officer's comments. Uh, Newport is a linear historic village. It's an original spelling of linear, but it's a linear historic village. This proposal would further exacerbate the departure from this historic concept. I think that is a valid point made by the Conservation Officer. It is an historic village. Um, with respect to uh, micrograms of nitrogen oxides per cubic metre, of air. I think it's very dangerous to uh, try and hang high quality conclusions on this because it's rather like saying, well, if you smoke 20 cigarettes a day, you're right. If you smoke 40 cigarettes a day, you're not. And we all know that that is rubbish, that there's a, a risk of sorts to just one cigarette a day. And it's a very similar sort of equation. Uh, we just don't have the data to do, produce very good quality analysis as yet. But I know that road rather well. I used to drive along it um, every day, twice a day, uh, when I worked in Hatfield. And I won't know it as well as Councillor Chambers, for example, who lives out that way. Uh, but it is a tricky road to drive along. Uh, and I would be reluctant to put more traffic upon it, especially at night time in winter. It's, it's quite hard work. Uh, and this is 150 dwellings. It's probably about 300 cars. I'm impressed that one of the speakers pointed out that the footways either um, is, is non-existent and very hard to get. And the concern that I have, it's a rather attractive site. In order to make this safe with respect to vehicle ingress and egress, and in order to get that two-metre footway in, there's going to be a destruction of at least, according to the evidence, 1,500 square metres of woodland. It's very nice woodland. It was planted not long ago. It's oak and beech and it's in good heart, and it's a shame to just grub it out for the benefit of a, uh, a road, and that will be lost. It's all on the north side, uh, and that would be a shame. There's also a loss of screening, and it is very much a raw woodland character. So I'm inclined to vote against this. I think it may well get overturned on appeal, because I don't think we have any very strong arguments against granting consent, but I think that it is... Uh, marginally, I would vote against it. Uh, right. If nobody, no, no. Yeah, I'm going to help you wrap it up. Right, I'm going to. All right. Pass to Mr. Brown, and then we're going to go to yeah. a vote. God, in, I'm mindful that we have a proposed proposal for, for, for refusal. I just want to just 
flash out the, the reasons for refusal for the recommendation. First of all, S7. Um, and what we've actually got is, um, is a balance. You know, we, I think we accept, officers accept there's harm caused by this development uh, in terms of the impact on the countryside. We think it's outweighed. The officer recommendation is outweighed by the five-year land supply and the benefits. It's within members' judgment to consider that otherwise. And, uh, and that is something that can be argued on appeal. I, don't, I think that's quite a, is a, is a, very, is a very subjective view. Um, members in terms of highway, um, you know, they're, they're, we do have uh, no objections from the local highway authority. And you would always hear me saying, well, you need to be careful of that. But this hasn't been tested on appeal. And like previous sites which have been tested on appeal, this one hasn't been tested on appeal. And there may be some arguments and there may be some flaws, but uh, the, the, uh, the inspector will always take the view, well, anybody trying to defend the council's view will always take the view, well, the council raised no objections, so that could, be no that could be a problem. The air quality, I'll leave it leave, leave you to, to, to you on that particular issue. Um, but, it, you know, there is a policy, policy EMVA9, um, we're talking about the weight of the, the, the neighbourhood plan. I don't think we need to worry about that because there are actually policies within our own local plan that can be used for that process anyway. And it's all back to what Councillor Gerard was saying at the very, very beginning. It's all about weight. Um, and um, so, so I think it's down to Councillor Lachlan as the proposer to consider which, what she actually feels should be part of the refusal. Well, well I, definitely S7. Um, but what about uh, EMV 13? which is exposure to poor air quality. It's also against uh, the MPPS. Sorry, that's what I meant, EMV13, not EMV. Yes, sorry, I thought you'd got that one, but I, I didn't want to seem a big head. <laughs> no chance of that. <laughs> okay. <coughs> yeah, right. and uh, uh, hang on a minute. What All about right. Gen 7? I don't think you need to. Well, nature conservation? No. Well, we've got no, sorry, we've got no objections from the ecologist, and so therefore there's nothing actually substantive to actually. Okay. It's, right. S7 covers all those issues uh, in terms of the loss of that particular piece of land. Right. And are we going for EMV 13, and that would satisfy um, Council of Fairhurst as well, and I think we have a good case on that too. So S7, S7, S7 EMV 13. EMV 13. Okay. Um, are you happy with that? No, steer clear. Well, I no, just, not. you're going to get the normal health warning from me for putting a GM one, but all I was saying is it's different to previous ones. It hasn't been tested on appeal, but it could be a dangerous one in terms of doing it. Okay, look, I have a, I have a recommendation for refusal, and I have a seconder for refusal based on S7 ENV13. Okay. You happy? Okay. So not Gen 1. That's we're just going to call. No, we're not going Gen 1. Yeah, I just need to clarify that. Um, all those in favour of a refusal, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Those against? And one against. Sorry, I just remember one more refusal reason you need to also add is obviously we haven't secured the necessary infrastructure from it. So you just have to have that normal caveat yep, as well. Add that as well. So we'll add that as a third refusal. <coughs> okay. That application is refused. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Anybody need a quick break? We all right? Everybody all right? Yeah. If you need one, sorry, I can't believe that. Might have one later.
Um, I think I'm sure we have in um, probably Elfers Elfers Inquiry or yeah 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 yeah. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Sorry for the uh, delay. Um, the next application is for UTT 171852, land adjacent to Coppice Close in Dunmo Road, Takeley, and Mrs Jones is going to take us through the application. Mrs Jones. Thank you, Chair. This application relates to the site that the committee members visited this morning in Takeley. The site is outside the development limits for Takeley Street, but is an allocated site for 20 dwellings within the Regulation 18 local plan. The site is not within the Countryside Protection Zone. The application site is a rectangular unmanaged footplot of former paddock land located to the south of Dunmore Road in Takeley and is 1.6 hectares. To the south of the site is the Flitch Way, a country 
county wildlife site and public right of way, and beyond that is Hatfield Forest, which is a triple SI. To the east, west and north of the site are residential properties. Properties to the east of the site are bungalows in a linear form set back from the road. The northern boundary has mature hedgerows and trees, and there's also a ditch along this boundary. The site is relatively flat and is currently being used for parking the owner's vehicle with a temporary shelter near to the Western Field Gate onto Dunmo Road. The site has rubble, scrap materials including derelict trailers, a caravan, derelict sheds and horse stables, as well as vehicle parts. The northwestern corner of the site is characterised by wet ground and a series of shallow ponds. And there are a number of Grade 2 listed buildings lining the northern side of the road opposite the site. Um, Joseph's is a Grade 2 star listed building, which um, we saw this morning. Uh, this slide shows um, that the proposal has been subject of pre-application advice and was originally for 39 dwellings as shown. The buffer, buffer on this um, plan to the Flitch Way was incorporated in the gardens of the dwellings. The proposal has been revised several times, reducing the number of dwellings from 39 to 20 increasing the affordable housing from 7 to 8, which equates to 40%, increasing the number of bungalows to 2, and increasing the number of parking spaces for visitors and providing a buffer to the flitchway at the rear of the site. Additionally, following advice from Essex County Council Highway Officers at pre-application stage, the number of accesses onto the site have been increased to 3. The proposed dwellings would be a mix of dwellings from one bedroom to five bedroom, including two bungalows. The bungalows and open space have been positioned opposite the Grade 2 star listed building to lessen the impact of the proposals on the setting of the listed building. An area of public open space is included between the plots 1 to 10 and the trees being retained to the front of the site. The housing density for the scheme is 13 dwellings per hectare. All of, the units have prime, prime, all of the units have private amenity spaces in line with the Essex design guidance. Each property meets the required parking standards, with some larger properties exceeding the requirement. There would be five unallocated parking spaces within the development to provide for visitor parking. Uh, this slide shows the frontage of the site looking from east to west opposite Joseph's, which is Grade 2 star. And this slide shows the site sections and front elevations of the properties. And lastly, uh, at the bottom of the slide, is the street scene. There have been a number of representations objecting to the application. Additionally, the Na National Trust, Natural England, Takeley Parish Council and the Conservation Officer have raised concerns which have been summarised in my report. Concerns have been Concerns have been raised regarding the impact of the development would have on Hatful Forest by way of increasing visitor pressure and damage to the SSSI, National Nature Reserve and Ancient Woodland, and also the visual impact upon Hatfield Forest. In addition, the National Trust have also objected to the proposal in respect of the cumulative impact of further developments close to the site. However, this application is only for 20 dwellings, and so the number of new residents using the forest and causing harm is likely to be limited. 
An arbicultural impact assessment has been submitted with the application and detailed planting proposals have been submitted. A number of trees, shrubs are to be removed. A substantial amount of them are less than 10 years old and therefore can be removed without permission. The site's northern boundary is an important landscape feature and is to be retained. The trees to be removed from the front of the site are mainly at the accesses, including two ash trees at entrance closest to plot 10 and T42 a willow, which has previously been cut to a stump approximately two metres above ground and is now regenerating. A further ash tree along that the frontage is to be removed at T5, which is a category U tree, which again can be removed without permission. Any gaps in the hedgerow to the site's frontage would be planted with hazel, field maple, which are native species. No trees with an A grading, i.e. high quality, are to be removed. The site's connectivity with Hatford Forest through mature trees and shrub along its southern boundary is considered an ecological feature of a local importance. The ecological survey states that if the plan buffer along the southern boundary is retained, then the proposed development will have no significant impact on invertebrates. The buffer strip will provide a habitat for the slow worms on the, presently on the site. The buffer zone planting is to comprise of a hazel up against the fencing and once established would screen the gardens from the flitchway which is set down at a lower level below a wooded, wooded embankment. The council's landscape officer has no objections to the proposal subject to conditions requiring the submission and approval of protective measures for trees to be retained and a full, fully detailed scheme of landscaping. Essex County Council ecologists also have been consulting consulted and have no objections to the proposal subject to conditions. The application now provides sufficient information and evidence to demonstrate that the proposals subject to conditions and section 106 requirements would not adversely affect protected species. As such, the proposal can comply with policy Gen 7 and section 11 of the MPPF. The development now proposes a significant on-site buffer zone for landscape and ecological ecological impact mitigation which would be managed using a management company secured by a section 106 agreement. The proposal includes a 10 metre buffer zone with the flitchway. The rear buffer zone to the rear and sides of the development is no longer incorporated into the back gardens. A management company would be responsible for the buffer zone to protect the flitchway which would be secured by a section 106 agreement and a local ecological management plan which would be secured by a condition. It is considered that weight to be given to the requirement to provide a five-year land supply and the housing provision would, which could be delivered by the proposal would outweigh the harm identified in relation to rural restraints set out in Uttersford Policy S7. Therefore, in balancing planning merits, it is considered that planning permission should be granted for the development. Uh, thank you, Mr Jones. We have two speakers. Uh, I'm going to take Jeff Bagnall from Takeley PC first. Mr Bagnall, you have three minutes. Thank you, Mr Chairman, and thanks for letting me speak at short notice. Uh, members of the committee, good afternoon. Um, this is one of those, again, that's about damage to the rural aspect. So I've heard the word weight 
a few times now, obviously in the previous application and this one, uh, and there seems to be a real dis discrepancy between weight from an officer's point of view and weight from a committee point of view, which I am concerned about. Um, but So the officer's report recognises the damage to the rural aspect uh, in relation to rural uh, restraints set out in policy S7. Um, I believe the development site is in CPZ, and I know our clerks had a chat with the officer concerned, uh, and I thought there was an agreement that it was in the CPZ, uh, and that may be not the case now. Um, but there's been 13 letters of objection to this from the local residents. Uh, there's been a major objection from the National Trust, and you'll see that in sections 8, 10 through to 8, 15 in your pack, so I do hope that you've had a chance to look at all of those. Um, and more importantly, the Conservation Officer from Uttlesford in Section 8.24 has called out the need to take this opportunity to err on the side of refusal because of the damage to the rural aspect. Um, so for me that's quite important and that the officer also calls out the unremarkable new development that would then be a very prominent urban edge. So it's, Takeley Street is also a linear area. Uh, I don't know if you've all seen it, but it's houses either side of the road. So having a development such as this is completely out of character. The, the light pollution would probably be significant for both the neighbouring properties as well as the wildlife in the forest. And in some parts of that development, they are 20 metres from Hatfield Forest. Uh, and we seem to be slowly destroying our countryside for the benefit of 20 houses here, 15 houses there, and we don't seem to add these things up. I often hear here, it's only 20 houses, it's only 10 houses. If I added up the amount of times I heard that at this committee meeting, we'd have over 2,000. So I think I, I, I get the sense that this committee are... are very much acting as gatekeepers. I don't get the sense that the, the planning department are doing that same role up front, and it would be nice to hear that being done up front. So clearly the conservation officer is uh, in favour of not approving. Now the applicant or the agent may call out that the site has been allocated in the latest draft of the local plan, Regulation 18 moving to 19. But it's important to call out that Takeley have asked for that to be removed from the latest draft because it's an inappropriate site for this sort of development. It will destroy the rural aspect in that area. So, um, I would, in summary, I don't think this application provides any benefit that would outweigh the damage that it would cause. I see no benefit in this at all. Uh, and I just think, when you talk about a buffer zone in someone's garden, how on earth are you going to police that in the future? So I think by approving this, you would be doing short, medium and long-term damage to that area and the forest. Thanks very much for your time, Mr Chairman. Thanks, Mr Bagley. Thank you. Uh, can we take the agent, Karen Beach? Karen, you also have three minutes. Thank you. Thank you. This is a full planning application for 20 dwellings. Eight of the houses are affordable and that this is policy compliant. There will be three access points off Dunmo Road, 
Early pre-application advice was sought from county highways and they have not objected. There will be significant areas of public open space and enhanced landscaping on the front of the road. This will help to retain the character of the area and also act as a buffer for the listed buildings. There will be a minimum of 20 metre landscape buffer at the front, 10 metres at the back and also side buffers. A management company will be responsible for managing those areas and this will be secured through a Section 106 agreement. There is no existing access from the site to Flitchway and this will not change. In terms of impact on Flitchway and Hatfield Forest, it is anticipated that the extra visitor pressure from 20 houses will only be low. Ecological reports have been submitted and they show that there is no material detrimental impact on protected species. The County Council Ecologist has not objected. The site is not in the Countryside Protection Zone and this is not recommended for inclusion of this designation in the new draft local plan. The site is allocated for housing in the new draft local plan. Uttlesford does not have a five-year land supply. Housing applications therefore need to be considered in the context of the presumption in favour of sustainable development. Economically, the development will generate construction employment and help to boost local shops and facilities. Public funds will be generated through SIL and council tax. Socially, the site will provide much-needed new market and affordable housing. The housing will be of a high quality and the mix will help meet identified needs, including two bungalows. The site is sustainably located in Takeley, which has existing facilities and services and is well located by bus routes. Environmentally, the site will retain much of the existing hedges and trees. Only two trees of moderate quality will be removed. All the remaining trees to be taken down are either of low value or are unclassified, so they are less than 10 years old. New trees will be planted. The landscape officer has advised that the trees to be removed are in poor condition and have no significant value. The conservation officer has not objected and has said that it should be a balanced planning decision. The moderate visual impact from Flitchway and the Hatfield Forest will be mitigated by the wide buffer zone and the planting including the hazel hedge and also the existing wooded embankment. The site will therefore deliver all three strands of sustainable development. Uh, thank you, Karen. Uh, no other speakers, so open to you, members. And I'll start with Councillor Lemon and then Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, just one comment. Um, there's 20 houses here, and there's three entrances. Is it is it is that justified to have three entrances on that? Well, we know what the road was like when we were there. It's a very busy road with lots of lorries. I would have thought we could have had less entrances. Um, I, at pre-application stage, um, originally there was only one entrance on access onto the site and the Essex County Council Highways Authority recommended the additional um, accesses and that's why the plans were revised to incorporate that, that advice. Okay. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. I want to first commend the officers on this report because it makes it even more difficult to make. So this is one of the difficult decisions you've had today, um, and I think it was sensitively handled. So, so I would commend the officers on putting this together. 
Secondly, um, I, as you know, I, I believe our conservation office is very important and I take her words very seriously, but no more so than in page 55. I think at 8.24, she, she succinctly um, explains where I sit on this process. It didn't make it matters any easier when, you, when you're confronted by a herd of deer um, in your inspection. Um, it's a very difficult one because the houses look rather nice and I don't think the, the, the density is good and, and they look rather creative, certainly around the end. But... Um, there are a couple of worries. The first is that there are some beautiful listed buildings across the road, um, and that's not going to—it's going to do—it's not going to help them at all in any way. Secondly, I have a serious problem with, with England losing its wonderful green spaces. Um, I came to England for these kind of spaces, and to lose them, you don't get them back, you know. So that worries me a lot. And I think, unfortunately, finally, the character of the village, the character of this linear village, will be affected detrimentally. Um, and I think, on balance, I would probably find myself minded to refuse on that basis. Thank you. Okay, anybody else? Right, I'll have my two pennyworth then. Um, I hear what you're saying. I did hear the uh, comment from Mr Bagnall about this uh, urban edge or the comment from urban edge. Um, if you put up the plan of the main road, no, that one, I don't see how this is a site of urban edge. To me, this is an infill. Uh, and it's very similar to the development on either side of it. I, I don't see that it's much indifferent, and it is, to a certain extent, in keeping with the linear styling of Takeley. Um, uh, the effect on the forest, I note, uh, but it's the same as the effect of all of those properties on the forest. Um, it is something we've got in the Reg 18. I think it's a sustainable development. Uh, I do also believe that it's a balanced report from the officers. Um, we have to make decisions like this, and, and I think sites like this are becoming more and more difficult to come by. So for that reason, I don't see it as a loss necessarily of a green space. I, I see it as appropriate development in the correct position. Um, and so from that point of view, I'm quite happy to propose this from the chair, if it's finding a seconder. I have a proposal and a seconder for approval of this application. All those in favour, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six. Those against? Three. Abstentions? One. Okay, this application is approved. Uh, moving on. UTT 173623, DFO in St Edmunds Lane, Dunmo. Uh, just before you start, Councillor Davies just taking a moment. <laughs> taking a moment and he's declared an interest, you're right, it's next to his property. Okay, uh, land east of St Edmunds Lane, Great Dunmo, 3623, Mrs Denmark to take us through it. Thank you, Chairman. Right, so this is land um, east of St Edmunds Lane in Great Dunmo. You've got the Bowling club down here. You've got Windmill Close um, over here, which is 1960s, I guess, um, Miller's Croft. And then you've got these new houses here built at Tower View Drive within the grounds of um, Councillor Davies' um, former property. Um, they've got open fields around here. Um, the planning, outline planning permission has already been granted for this site, so this is a reserve matters application. 
and slightly unusual one this one in that it relates to 22 custom or self-build dwellings there's a mistake in the um, report where I've only referred to them as self-build it's actually custom or self-build um, so the uh, reserve matters relates to access appearance landscaping layout and scale now we can only consider um, appearance layout and scale to a certain degree because the custom and self-build element of it means that each property when it comes forward can be different so what we have negotiated here is a modular design um, of 22 dwellings and this layout shows um, essentially what could be the maximum um, footprint layout um, so it sets out the sites and it sets out potentially the maximum layout per plot and we have three modular design dwellings so we've got a two bedroom we have um, a four bedroom I think this one is and yeah four bedroom and then we've got a um, three bedroom chalet now these um, chalet ones are more along the back here where it abuts onto um, Tower View Drive. Now, Tower View Drive are substantial two-storey properties and um, when the original outline application was considered it would have been five dwellings which were over here and subsequently it's been changed to seven dwellings which have brought the whole development a lot closer. Um, so the original outline showed these plots being further down here um, but if they were to be constructed there these plots wouldn't have any private amenity space so basically they've been pushed further back into the site so that they can have an area of private amenity which is secured by their property um, and then private amenity with um, brick walls um, adjacent to the highway. So the idea is, each plot, if on the back of your yellow sheets, you've got a table that looks like that. So each plot is allocated a house type. So if you go the custom build route, you will buy your plot with that house type. Then there are extension types that you can bolt on. And this shows the extension type. So extensions 1, 2 and 3 are single story and getting longer in length so you can buy your house and you can attach on an extension and the extensions drawn on the um, layout plans are shown in the next column and then the next column along shows which extension um, alternatives you could have if you purchase a property you may just only be able to afford to buy the plot and the house in which case then you wouldn't have any extension options but potentially the extension options are as shown on there one two and three are single story and four five and six are essentially two story extension type and then you've got potential to add on a garage um, now some plots can have a garage some plots can't have a garage one plot can only have a flat roof garage so it doesn't impact on the neighbors um, and um, there's a couple of plots that haven't got room to have a garage at all. The um, range of materials proposed would be selected from the palette 
shown um, for each um, property type. So we've got a range of brickwork and tiles, render, and um, so um, the original proposal proposed um, quite radical in some ways um, materials and Great Dumbo Town Council objected to proposals, weren't happy with that and they're now lifted their objection because they're happy with the range of materials now being proposed which are sort of more traditional type. Um, so there's also options for affordable housing so there's a unilateral undertaking with the outline consent um, which sees plots 3 to 7 and 18 to 21 would be affordable. And you might wonder how affordable works on a self-build scheme. Um, and in this instance, what would happen is that the plots are valued and the, there would be a 30% discount for those particular plots. So say if a plot is worth £100,000, you buy it for 70000 So that's your affordable housing element, if you like. You then build your house or buy your, your kit from the um, proposer um, and you, know, you get it all constructed. When you then sell that house, the first time that house is sold, 10% of the value then goes to the council. So we get a pot of money to um, enable provision of affordable housing elsewhere. If these plots haven't sold within 12 months, which there is a possibility that that might happen, then the developer gets those rights to sell those plots back, subject to the council receiving that 30% discount. So we would receive the £30,000 per plot, or whatever it equates to. I hope you followed that. <laughs> um, so basically, um, we're granting reserve matters for the principle of design and the principle of layout as set out in this plan, but it could be smaller. But each plot would need to apply to us before they can start work on their um, construction. They would need to confirm with us what extension types they're using and what materials they're using. So that then fit, um, sets and fits the, fixes the layout, the appearance and the scale. In terms of landscaping, the landscaping is considered appropriate and um, that would be carried out separately and the access is considered appropriate and again that would be carried out by the developer. Um, so the principle of the design and the principle of the palette of materials is considered to be acceptable and therefore it's recommended that the application be approved as set out in the agenda. Thank you, Mrs Denmark. Uh, we have one speaker, which is the applicant, Mr Rupert Kirby. Mr Kirby, you have three minutes. Good afternoon, Chairman and Councillors. Um, as the owner and promoter of the land at St Edmunds Lane, I'm pleased to be able to speak to you today to explain a little bit more about our exciting proposals. It's clear that there is a huge unsatisfied demand from people wanting to have more control over the design and build of their own homes. 
As a direct response to this, the right to build legislation became law in April 2016. This required councils to keep a register of self-build demand and to provide land or grant adequate permissions to satisfy this demand within three years of interest being registered. In November 2017, it was confirmed that 33,000 people had signed up to the registers across England. In Uttlesford, there were 128 people registered by April 2017. Further localised confirmation of this demand comes from the fact that we've had received over 60 inquiries since we began promoting the land through the planning system, despite not undertaking any formal marketing. We're seeking to deliver an inventive and innovative solution to deliver housing for people that wish to self or custom build their home. From our discussions with potential buyers, there's a very wide range of drivers for this desire, including personal circumstances such as old age or a disability in the family, cost savings, dissatisfaction with the offer from larger national house builders, too many small bedrooms than required, small plots, build quality, or interest in design quality and the appearance of one's home, and environmental issues are a big driver. Our architects have therefore designed an innovative modular approach which provides owners with the required flexibility of design and materials and potential cost savings through the use of off-site construction methods as promoted by central government. The range of house types, extensions and garages and the material palette ensures that this scheme is contextual and allows coherence and control to be maintained across the whole development. This will give comfort to buyers about what their neighbours can build. We strongly believe that the end result will be a development where homeowners will be deeply invested in their houses through their investment of time and effort as well as money. Correspondingly, it will deliver a better quality of housing than mainstream routes with a strong sense of community and improved public realm, contributing to a real sense of place. We've worked very constructively with officers in agreeing how best to take this Reserve Matters application forward and would like to thank them for their proactive approach to what we appreciate is a novel scheme in the UK albeit very commonplace across the rest of the world. We're pleased that the application has received a recommendation of support and very much hope that councils will endorse this recommendation. If you'd like to discuss any of the practical aspects relating to the design and delivery of the homes, then my architect is here and I, or, or I would be happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr Kirby. Um, okay, we have no other speakers. Uh, Leslie. Um, just picking up on the point about neighbours knowing what would be next door to them, how long do these extensions, if someone chooses, they could buy a property that, as you said, has an extension or the, um, it has permission for an extension but they can't afford it, how long can they continue to enact that forever and ever? And would they then, any other property, be able to add extensions over time? How will that all work? Okay, um, so say, for example, you want to buy plot 9 and you want to buy the extension op option shown on here, um, but at the time you can only afford to build the house, then you've implemented your consent. And so you would then be able to then later on, when you can afford it, you could add on the extensions in planning terms. Whether the promoter has set um, criteria outside of the planning system which controls that, that is up to them and that's not something for us to get involved in. But in planning terms, technically, once you've implemented your consent, you can then implement your consent later on, um, you know, in, in phases. Um, but it, it may well be that the developer, the, sorry, the promoter, I must stop calling you developer, the promoter 
may wish to um, have clauses in their contractual agreements with the um, per plot purchasers that they have to complete their house within, say, two years. Um, and if they don't, then perhaps there may be some sort of sanction, i.e. they go in and finish it and charge them for it or something along those lines. Um, some members did actually go down to BISTA to have a look at a self-build scheme and they had similar clauses down there where um, you know, there was a requirement that if you purchase one of these plots, you need to be able to um, complete your development within two years. Um, but like I said, that would be outside of the planning system. That's not for us to regulate and control. That's up to the promoter. So the reality is really then that what you might set out with is not necessarily what you might end up with 10 years' time, if you see what I mean. Things will change. The layout will look very different, perhaps, if people have all picked up on something two years after they bought it. Like I said, that would be down to the yeah, yeah. That would be down to the promoter to um, control how the development comes forward. But it may well be that perhaps um, these semi-detached plots at the side here um, may not be, apart from the fact that they're the affordable, so they're not going to be sold for at least a year. If they could potentially be sold within the year, if there is anybody who is eligible for an affordable plot and wants them, but if, they, um, if there are no potential purchasers there, then within a year, Mr Kirby then would have the right to sell those plots. Um, so it may well be that the other plots get snapped up quite quickly, and then they get developed, and then there might be gaps in the scheme, um, because those plots are not so favourable or not so affordable or whatever. So it's, it's going to be a very unusual scheme coming forward because it's not going to be delivered in the conventional way. Um, so, you know, it's one that potentially we need to learn from and see how we can implement this against um, other schemes across the district if, um, you know, if we're in that position. But what we must remember is it's got outline planning permission for this type of development and we need to find a way to work, um, make it work. And I think you know, we've had many, many hours of um, discussions and negotiations trying to find a way of making the conditions work, making, um, coming up with a scheme to make the reserve matters work so that we can get as much surety about detail which enables someone to come along and purchase a plot and get building very, very quickly because they would need to submit a discharge of condition application, which we can turn around relatively quickly, provided it meets these, these criteria. If they want to build something else, then they'll have to apply for plan permission. And there will probably be a process whereby they would have to get their design approved by the promoter before they can even submit plan application to us because they would want to ensure that it fits in with the overall ethos of the, the scheme that is being considered here. Um, so I've lost my thread. But <laughs> Shall I take over then? I'm going to take over. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll come back to you in a minute. Basically, it's pick and mix building. Okay, we've got a palette of colours that they could choose anything. Uh, for those of us that did go to Bista, it was fairly obvious that some plots hadn't even been started and some were finished. So there's obviously an issue where this could be a permanent building site for 10 years, unless there's certain restrictions put on people. People might buy it as an investment, 
and then not build for, you know, so it's a problem as it could be a permanent building site. So th there are certain details. I have to compliment the officers in as much as by restricting the pallet, they're controlling the facades to a certain extent on what we're going to see eventually. But it's when we might see it, if you see what I mean. So those are the issues. Councillor Freeman. Thank you, Chairman. Um, the only point I'd make is on item 8.2, which is the bottom of page 77, the neighbouring Bungalow Hill View has requested that you might put obscure glass in the landing of plot 7A. Can I ask that that be a condition if officers deem it appropriate? It's the top of page 78, bottom of page 77. Uh, and it's also a fact that I think that uh, self-build do seem to go on forever, or can do. Uh, and it falls if it's outside of the planning Authority. I don't see it as it is because there's a three-year requirement on build-outs usually condition. Uh, but if it is outside of this committee or this chamber to deal with that, then there needs to be some fairly strong control on the part of the actual facilitator. Otherwise, it could go on forever. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I think it's a creative scheme, and I think it's something we should grasp a nettle and do. Um, I've actually seen something like this being done 20-odd years ago, and, and the result was an affordable scheme where people had some control over their futures. Um, it did require, and I think this will demand more control from, from, from here on the, to establish the quality and so on, but um, if it achieves a, a more affordable housing process, um, I would applaud this entirely, so I would certainly be supporting this. Following on from that, I'm going to pop something up here. I don't think we can do it. Can we specify that they use our building control? No, oh, oh, no, no, I don't think God. we can. No, I mean, we were talking about quality. Um, as such, one of our assurances of guaranteeing that quality would be to use our own yeah. building control. Yeah, but once he sees how good our building control team are, I think he will use our building control team. But we can't, we can't insist that they do. Sorry, I'm happy to propose from the Chair. Seconder, Councillor Fairhurst. All those in favour, please show. Okay, we have a unanimous decision. Thank you, Mr Kirby. If you could, please, Councillor. Um, UTT 17-3426, Outline Planning, Shire Hill. Mrs. Shoe Smith to take us through it. Uh, okay, Mrs. Shoe Smith, when you're ready. Thank you, Chairman. Okay, the application before us is um, located land south of Radwinter Road. Uh, just a point of clarification, unfortunately, within the page 89 of the report on the, on the top, it actually says land to the east. That's actually incorrect. Well, technically it's not incorrect, but on the application it's land south of uh, Radwinter Road. <laughs> I'll explain. 
<laughs> okay, technically it is east of Shire Hill. Um, so the application before us is located here, uh, Red Winter Road in Saffron Walden. Uh, we've got Tesco's located here, uh, the countryside site to the north, and the extra East Thames extra care facility located up here. Um, most of you probably remember this, app, this site forms part of a larger scheme which was approved back in 2014. Um, on page 89, paragraph 2.2, uh, it describes exactly what the original application was for, which was the 200 houses, extra care, um, office space, um, education, open space and uh, other infrastructure as well. As I say, that was granted back in 2014. Um, the housing element of that application is currently being implemented and is located along here to the south of the site. However, um, reserve matters have since expired for this site and a following application that, um, that, that we will go on to later. As a result, this application is for a renewal of the consent. It still remains as outline planning permission with all matters reserved except access. Access will be taken from Radwinter Road into the new estate road that has been constructed and into the site here. Okay, this is an indicative plan of, of what the um, scheme could look like in terms of layout. The application is still for an extra care home, uh, providing uh, up to 144 bed spaces. Again, all matters are reserved except the access. As I said, that's located here, and the road goes into the site with the housing indicated to the south here. Um, no details have changed since the original outline approval. The configuration of, how the, of the number of beds has altered slightly, but in terms of the total number, that still remains as 144. All other details in terms of vehicle movement, air quality, and other aspects of the application still remain the same. No objections have been raised um, as a result of that. And uh, approval is recommended subject to the conditions set out on pages 109 to 117, subject to a section 106 agreement. Um, in terms of the legal agreement, um, it's recommended that the original section 106 is transferred over. There has been an objection from the applicant with regards to doing so as, the, um, as part, it formed part of the original package of the much wider scheme. Um, obviously, the houses have carried on being implemented and other parts of the site have kind of accelerated in terms of being implemented and parts of the clauses within the previous 106 have been um, dealt with in terms of financial contributions. However, because um, this formed part of the larger scheme, it was considered as part of the larger scheme in terms of its impacts and cumulative impact. Um, it's still considered um, that the 106 should be transferred over to this um, application 
um, to mitigate the impact of the proposed development and the wider scheme as a whole. Um, that has also been raised by highways um, and the conditions that have been suggested also by environmental health as well. Um, so approval is recommended subject to conditions and subject to the section 106 being transferred over. Thank you, Chairman. <coughs> Thank you, Mrs. Hughes-Smith. We have one speaker first, um, Louise Steele. Hi, Louise. You have three minutes. Thank you, Chairman, for the opportunity to speak. My name is Louise Steele. I'm from Framptons Planning and act on behalf of Manor Oak Homes, who are the applicants. As the officers have summarised, the proposal will meet the need for extra care provision, which will complement the new dwellings being built to the south of the site by Linden Homes. Um, the development is in a sustainable location with access to local facilities and amenities and close to public transport. The principle of the care home on the site has already been accepted by the council via the previous outline planning permission on the mixed use wider site and is identified in the emerging local plan for this use. Um, as we've said, Linden Homes is currently building out the residential part of the mixed-use development. Whilst we entirely um, endorse and recommend, um, agree with the recommendation of the approval of the application, um, I do have concerns of, about the proposals in respect of the Section 106 package being requested um, by the application. Um, for the avoidance of doubt, um, our client does not object to a Section 106 being required for this site. However, this should only be required in order to secure the obligations required to mitigate the, uh, the, the impacts of the proposals put forward by the application. Uh, however, the report of the committee recommends including reference to the transfer of the obligation from the Section 106 agreement entered into in respect of the original outline application for the wider mixed-use development. To seek to do so would be contrary to the legal and policy tests. Regulation 122 of SIL regulations sets out the statutory test to be applied when formulating planning obligations and states that they must be necessary to make the development acceptable in planning terms, directly related to the development and fairly and reasonably related in scale and kind to the development. It is clear that the transfer of the Section 106 is not necessary to make this application acceptable in planning terms. The transfer of the obligations would not be related to the development for the extra care housing and they would not be reasonably and related in scale and kind to the application. For example, the transfer Section 106 agreements, for example, 40% affordable housing, but as stated in the committee report, affordable housing is not required for care homes. Equally, there's a requirement for obligation, for example, to the, for the skate park, which is um, part of the open space. Again, I can't see how this relates to a care home. A number of the planning obligations also that the Council is seeking to transfer have already been discharged by Linden Homes and therefore the transfer of these obligations is unnecessary. The remainder of those obligations lie with Linden as the successor in title of the land to which the residential development is being carried out. 
We therefore very respectfully request that the Council should remove the requirement of the Section 106 agreement to be transferred to the application. Our client does not object to the principle of entering into Section 106 agreements. However, this should only relate to the submission of a travel plan, the travel plan monitoring and the payment of measurable costs and the payment of monitoring costs. These were the elements that were recommended by the High Worst Authority which relate to the care home use only. Just to summarise, the proposal is for a sustainable use that complements and enhances the area's existing offer. Of note, there are no technical objections from the statutory consultees to the proposals, and we respectfully request that the application is approved. Uh, thank you, Louise. Sorry about the microphone. Uh, um, Councillor Freeman. Thank you, Chairman. Um, do you have any elevations uh, for this application? Unfortunately not, because it's um, outlined uh, the appearances of a reserve matter. There are indicative um, possible yeah. layout plans Indeed. Um, to give an idea of how it could be configured to, uh, to gain the 144 beds. Indeed, thank you. Um, the point is that I can't find a representation by the Town Council for this, uh, maybe I, I've missed it, uh, but it is an outline application. The concern which I have, Chairman, the concern which I have is that in prolonged developments of this sort, things get lost in translation. Uh, and a very good example is another development in Saffron Warden, in my ward, uh, which is um, uh, it's a different developer, but it was working off a local plan for 2005 and the outcome of it was that the town lost a substantial portion of land which is now being built out of 31 houses on it because of the question of how you interpret a section 106 and the duration at which the matter had dragged on. Now what could happen here, and it's completely possible, is that somebody comes back and says, well you know we can't make any money out of a care home, we've run the figures, it doesn't make any sense. But I tell you what, we'll build houses on it instead. Uh, and if that happens, then whatever is decided about Section 106 here and now will probably get carried over in maybe five years' time, three years' time, whatever. We need to guard against that. Uh, I don't see it as any impact at community infrastructure level. We don't do that in Oxford. We do Section 106 agreements. So Section 106 we have in the past been compromised by negotiations that went on for over 10 years and in the end we walked away with very little indeed. This I'm talking about Lime Avenue. Different developer, different time. But things get obfuscated, they get lost in translation. And so I'm very reluctant to, um, uh, to reduce air requirements. I think we should put them in writing with regard to benefit to the community, with regard to Section 106. We don't have a good history on this. We've lost stuff in the past. I don't want to lose this, particularly if we decide well, we're not going to build a care home there after all. We'll do something else instead. So that's one point. The other point is we don't actually know how overbearing this is going to be, but it's a big development, and if it's done on three floors, for example, it will be very overbearing. Uh, particularly for the houses that are being built out behind them. So we need more information, in my view, on the number of floors. You can easily stick another floor and make it four floors, why don't we? 
uh, uh, it would be a very economical way of getting more benefit out of this site, uh, getting more land value out of this site. So I think we need to be very prescriptive in whatever... I know it's outlined, but we need to be prescriptive with the sort of consent that we give. Uh, care homes we need, they're very good things to have. Uh, we don't need them to be looking like battleships, and we don't need them to drag on for 10 years, uh, by which time uh, whatever undertakings have been made no longer seem to be appropriate. Now, it's down to the officers to make sure that this doesn't happen, but I'm asking you to do that now, please. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. I'm not sure we've solved Councillor Freeman's queries yet. Um, but a couple of things. First of all, I think we all agree we need, we need care homes, and that's great. I just don't understand this idea of transferring 106. Um, Linden Homes is building 230 houses or something in the south of this, and I'm assuming that they're going to be committing to, to doing 106 for those 100, whatever it is, 230 houses. And there's no question of that 106 being, being moved over and, and letting Linden off the hook. That would seem a little bit silly. On the other hand, this development itself has something. Can I ask just an explanation on that before I go further? Uh, Mr. Brown. Yeah, just to clarify, this is, this is exactly the point that Councillor Freeman's made, is what we're trying to avoid by transferring the 106. Something could be lost. This is a separate planning application for an outline planning application for an extra care facility. But the reason why we're looking at this, and the reason why we looked at it is before, because it was all part of a package. We had a residential development, we had this facility, and we had what we got, what we got coming as the next application. It was all included in the package. The housing itself would probably be achieving quite a lot of that in terms of the, the housing will be the one that's directly responsible for the education, so I wouldn't anticipate that this would be providing anything towards education. But we're not quite sure. It all depends on making sure each particular part of the clause of the 106 is covered. Um, it would have a contribution. You know, the, the travel plan is one part of the proposal. The other part of the proposal is, is the in, in, towards NHS healthcare facilities. This is, a, this is a care facility which is likely to have a draw on, on health provision within Saffron Morden, which is also, as we all know at the moment, very challenging. So that's one of those issues. Highway works, cars will be serving this particular site. So although some of these sons, and et cetera, et cetera, all the way through, so although some of these things would have already been covered by the housing, the reason why we're approving this as a, as, as a travelling part of the 106 is that the same things that this would have bitten in terms of the 106 will still be bitten now. We're not asking for anything else. The whole idea of the 106 agreement was proportionate with the brunt of it, almost the big chunk of it being taken by the housing, some of it being taken by this and then some of it being... So that's all going to be proportionate and that's why the travelling 106 is just making sure we're picking up Councillor Freeman's point of nothing gets lost in translation is retaining the quite robust 106. Picking up your other point, um, if they come in for housing, which is not the issue here, then you'll have a separate planning application, and, and, and off we'll go. Okay. Anybody? Uh, Fair yeah. Yes. Um, so it's a question of apportionment rather than transfer of 106, or, or joint and several liability between the partners. Yeah, it's a, it's a transfer of the 106, which in itself is obviously, or the 106, is quite a complicated 106, and it's all proportionally aided just as, with some of the triggers. Yeah, this is part of one of the triggers on those would have been this. Just as long as Linden Homes isn't let off the hook and they'll be chasing a different person. Exactly no, 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 no Linden Homes are not going to get away with the hook. Uh, the, my, my second question, and I think it's more important here, is the question once again of air quality. I'm rabbiting on because it's important. To put 
a, a care home on that road without knowing what the air quality is, the assessment of air quality there, could bite us if, we, if in the future we find we didn't check it out. We need, before we sign off on 144 beds, we need to know that the air quality in that space is not hazardous. And I don't think we have that information. I certainly don't know what the information is on that. Could I please ask for clarification? The, um, the application itself, the number of beds is exactly the same number as what was previously granted um, outline back in 2014. In terms of the vehicle movements and the air quality, those figures are exactly the same. They have taken into account um, committed developments of recent schemes that have been um, that have been approved since the original granting of the consent. However, all the information that has been provided um, is as per what was originally approved as part of the uh, main application. But the details of the vehicle movements, the air quality, that was assessed um, at the outline stage originally, and this is just uh, an approved, well, a renewal of what was originally granted. The figures haven't changed. Um, that much at all and both um, highways and environmental health have looked into that information. Sorry Mr Chairman, um, that's not going to work for me. The, if it was assessed in, uh, no. um, if it was assessed in 2013 and I believe it was 2011 by the way, things have changed in Saffron Walden and we are sitting in assessing an application today, this is 2018, um, and we're looking at, at, at allowing the building of a care home for people who are fragile already and we're saying to ourselves we're relying on 2011 or 2013 or something figures and that's not responsible behaviour. So I would be happy to support this and propose it if necessary, conditional on the air quality assessment being carried out at that site so that we are not doing something that is unlawful but certainly that is hazardous. Could I? Yeah. An air quality assessment has been undertaken, um, and that, yeah, that, that has been undertaken and that has been looked at, and it has been updated as part of this application. In terms of the mitigations, there are mitigations that are, ha that are proposed in terms of the air quality, in um, which um, should be reflected in the conditions that have been um, recommended. That's with the submitted main application. Sorry, sorry, Mr. Chairman. Subject to being within reasonable limits on a, re on a managed basis for a current assessment, I would then propose adoption or support of the application. Okay, um, I'm happy to second that from the chair. Okay, so that's a proposal for approval. Okay, if everybody's happy with that, with the existing okay. conditions. Sorry, what were the, could you say that again? Changing anything is basically no. saying it's as it is presented by the officer, correct? No, no. no Mr Chairman, it's, it's subject to the assessment, to an air quality assessment of that particular site, a recent assessment site that we can actually make sure that it is within reasonable parameters, not at 40, but at some reasonable parameters of the site I would then support it. It is a condition. It's a conditional support of the process, not just as it stands. All right. Uh, <coughs> Maria. No, that's why I asked. No, I know. I didn't understand what... No, uh, I didn't understand that.
In terms of the conditions that have been recommended, um, we've, as part of mitigation, we've got electric vehicle charging points, which was part of the mitigation, together with a condition 23 on page 117 regarding uh, details of noise, plant machinery, noise, uh, which was part of the air quality assessment and mitigation measures which have been identified. Um, a condition has been recommended on, um, as part of the next application and it can be transferred over to this as well in terms of, um, sorry, let me just get the paper. I take the point you're trying to make. Let's just see if we can resolve it and get this through, okay? Okay. Uh, condition has been recommended on the next application. It's something that can be transferred onto this. Is no development shall commence until an air quality mitigation strategy has been submitted to and approved in writing by the local planning authority. Such a strategy shall identify measures to mitigate air quality impacts from the hereby permitted facility in line with measures set out um, in the submitted REC Limited Air Quality Assessment, um, dated January 2018. Any identified measures shall be implemented in accordance with the approved strategy and retained and, main, retained and maintained thereafter. Mr Chairman, I don't want to be difficult, but an air quality mitigation strategy which includes charging point for electric cars is not mitigation of any kind. No, you're, no, no, what she's saying there is the, is the clause from the next application. I appreciate that. You know, not necessarily. I take your point about the electric charging. I, you know, that point's on the side. So, so I'm not, what not, we're saying is we're going to add that condition that she's just read out to this application. Will you be happy with that? Absolutely not. I'm not looking for an air, air quality mitigation strategy. I'm looking for an air quality assessment which gives me a sense of comfort that it doesn't exceed or that it is within reasonable bounds. That's not the same thing. In other words, if the assessment at the moment, for example, is 40 points or something, and we build it, we have mitigation strategies, we're not solving anything. All I'm saying is the assessment was done in, in 2013. It is out of date, and we want to be approving it. Oh, sorry, it's on your lines. It says 2014, May 2014 was applied. So, so maybe I don't understand. Can I just clarify? The reason why... Uh, Maria was going to recommend that on the second application was because the B1 application, we're not going to fast forward, is a contributor to air quality issues. This is not. Your very starting point on this was that there are vulnerable people in this location. It is not for this development then. It is for this development to be neutral in terms of air quality, but it's not for this application to, to consider reductions in air quality throughout the town. That is disproportionate. So, therefore, that's why it was recommended on B1. The reason you could, this is a receptor of air quality issues, not necessarily the causing of the air quality issues. Unlike housing, unlike business units, all those type of things. Councillor Freeman. Yeah, sorry, Chairman. Um, <clears throat> it's the fact that this is a care home. And the point about care homes is that they have people in them that need care. And if you've had anything to do with people who need care, you realise they have carers that come in cars, uh, usually one carer per car, and there's a continual traffic of carers in and out of places. Uh, the same applies to medical services. Um, it actually puts a substantial load on the immediate traffic uh, conditions and just down the road uh, where uh, Rabwinter Road meets Saxted Road, we have an air quality management area. It has been an air quality management area for quite some time now, 
and there's nothing being done to improve it. So this, when it becomes active, when it's built out, will have an impact on that air quality management area. There's no way that can be avoided unless they all go through Ashton, which isn't going to happen. I take your point, but if you extend the argument, we won't build anything. And that's, that's the principle here. And we need, you know, we need a nursing home, and actually it's a good idea if we put it in the centre of the town and we can reach other facilities from it. So I, I can see what you're arguing, and I think we've got to take it with what we've got. I, uh, you know, I, I, I see it's a balance. Um, the only thing we can do is ensure that the building is built to the quality we would require and to ensure that there are no additional... Uh, pressures put on residents as such caused by what we've done and uh, as such we've got an application before us that's laid that out. I do think it would probably be a good idea to add the condition that you read for the second application and apply it to the first application and with that condition added I'm happy to propose from the chair and I have a seconder from Councillor Davey. Um, as such, all those in favour of this application with that additional condition, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Those against? One abstention? Okay. That application is approved. Thank you very much. And we'll move straight on to the next one. Uh, Mrs. Shoesmith, if you'd like to take us through it. Thank you, While Chair. Louise is in the chair. <laughs> Thank you, Chairman. Um, again, um, as discussed, this site is east of Shire Hill and west of the application site just discussed. Um, so, in terms of relationships, that's the site that we've just um, discussed in terms of the care home. This site here is for outline planning permission again for 1,800 square metres of B1 office floor space. Again, same situation, this formed part of the largest scheme uh, whereby the reserve matters have since lapsed. Um, so this application is again for outline uh, planning permission with all matters reserved except access. Access is proposed to be taken from Shire Hill um, Industrial Estate. Um, but however, will link up to the main road which runs through the site connecting to um, Radwinter Road on the other side. Um, as I say, um, all details remain the same as what was previously approved back in 2014. There's been no material change in the scheme or the circumstances. As a result, approval is recommended subject to conditions and the transfer of the Section 106 as highlighted on pages 138, 145, with the added condition um, just discussed regarding air quality mitigation strategy. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Shoesmith. Louise. Thank you. Um, as the officers have summarised, the proposal will meet the need for new employment, which will complement the new dwellings being built um, by Linden Homes. Um, the proposals will create uh, about 127 jobs. Again, the development is in, in a sustainable location with access to local facilities and amenities and close to public transport. Um, the principle of offices on this site has already been accepted by the Council pre via the previous outline planning permission 
for the mixed-use development on the site. Um, I've got the same concerns about the transfer of the Section 106 of obligations. Um, many of the triggers when you read the Section 106 um, relate to the residential development and as said previously, Linden Homes have um, discharged many of them. So I feel we're just causing undue process. We are happy to uh, deal with the Section 106 in that it relates to this site relating to the travel plan and I think there is an employment uh, monitoring cost as well which we're happy to, um, to pay. Um, so really it's just I would like to endorse the officer's recommendation but we have the same issue relating to the transfer of the Section 106. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. You take a point, though. We don't want to lose where we are. So uh, short of throwing this out and saying sort it out and then bring it back to us in three months, we're going to say go ahead and sort it out in the next three months, okay? Okay. Uh, members, over to you. Anybody, any comments? Right. Uh, Councillor Lodge? This is not totally constructive, but just to ruminate on, uh, B, B1, B1 development uh, can, can, of course, under permitted development, turn into housing at any stage without planning permission. So, obviously a concern. I think the, um, the town needs this uh, employment land, and uh, so I was certainly uh, supportive from that point of view, uh, and you've got the wrong map in the application. I think we'll clarify your opinion of B1, Mr yeah. Brown. The, the PD change of use is time limited, so therefore it's, it, it will not be. So they would have to apply for planning permission if it was ever their intention to change this. It's existing B1 uses. It's time limited at the point where the application, where the actual legislation come in in terms of PD. So this is protected. They wouldn't have that PD change of use. I feel reassured. <laughs> That's nice. Okay. Uh, I'm happy, happy to propose, Councillor Freeman. Happy to propose, but um, I do think, as Councillor Rogers pointed out, we do need the right map. Uh, on, on here, it's the wrong one. We've got the care home map. Uh, we haven't got Let, the map. Let's assume we've got the right map. So I think are, the are you, are you happy to propose that not only that we're going to move over the transfer over the section 106 or what bits of it are left, rather moth-eaten by now, but also the records will show hopefully the correct map. That is the one that's being projected onto the screen at the moment. Please. Uh, and on those bases I propose. Thank Mrs. Shoesmith is uh, duly rebuked. Okay. <laughs> I'm happy, rebuked. To, happy to second from the chair. Happy to second from the chair. All those in favour, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And Councillor Fairhurst? Abstaining. Okay. Nine and one. Thank you, Mrs. Shoesmith. Moving on. UTT 173571, east of Claypit Villas, Bardfield Road, Thaxted. Uh, two minute break for a certain member. Zzz.
Mr. McAvoy. Thank you, Chair. Good afternoon. Um, this is an application for nine dwellings to the land east of Claypit Villas in Thaxted. Um, it lies to the south of Bardfield Road's uh, ribbon development, uh, like I said, just to the east of Claypit Villas. Site area is approximately 3,500 square metres. The applicant is proposing nine dwellings, arranged uh, as two blocks of two pairs of semis. So in other words, there's two blocks of four dwellings each, with a detached um, house to the eastern elevation to make up the ninth. Um, the general house styles reflect the Essex vernacular in terms of material choice and general design. Uh, there is no common design um, theme in the vicinity, um, so um, they do look broadly acceptable. Um, we're recommending approval subject to a Section 106 agreement that deals with highways. Um, we regard it as an example of sustainable development, um, and I would be happy to recommend approval. Thank you, Mr. McAvoy. Uh, we have, I think, I've lost my list, one speaker, the agent. I think it's Mr. Tedder, isn't it? Who's neatly list? Mr. Tedder, you have three minutes. Good afternoon. My name is Nigel Tedder of Go Planning, and I represent the applicant, Mr. Oliver Hookway. The application is before committee today because it is for more than five dwellings. The design echoes the adjacent ribbon development with mainly semi-detached three-bed properties and a detached four-bed dwelling, providing a total of nine number dwellings. The proposals immediately abut the Thaxted development limits and are opposite the Levitt's farm buildings on the eastern edge of Thaxted along Bardfield Road. The site is considered to be in a sustainable location with Thaxted offering a range of local facilities as indicated by your recent approval for development at the J.F. Knights site at Warnersfield to the north. The applicant is aware of the recent submission of the Thaxted Neighbourhood Plan to UDC for consultation. However, as this has not yet been either examined or put to referendum, the proposals are not considered to meet the policies of the Thaxted Neighbourhood Plan. This has been confirmed by a planning inspector for a recent appeal at Little Maypole Thaxted, which was allowed for nine dwellings, I believe, last month. Whilst outside of the 2005 local plan settlement limits, the design is considered to represent a modest village extension and meet S3 policy objectives. The site is considered to represent sustainable development, whereby any conflict with UDC policy S7 is mitigated by the more flexible approach taken by the MPPF, which should provide for the site contributing to the Council's shortfall with its five-year housing supply. The design for the site has been influenced by the adjacent ribbon development and would be seen as an organic extension to this part of Thaxted. The proposals have both economic and social benefits, including the provision of much-needed housing, assisting the Council's current shortfall with its five-year targets. Any environmental harm is confined to the small plot of land and is not considered to outweigh the benefits as identified within your officer's report. 
The dwellings are of a traditional design with a range of roof styles and materials, ensuring the development would be in keeping with the local vernacular. From a highways perspective, the dwellings provide policy compliant levels of parking and the applicant has agreed to fund the relocation of the 30 mile per hour limit, which will also provide highway safety improvements for the development to the north. All rear gardens are in excess of the required standards and there would be no material loss of privacy. The site complies with both local and national planning policies and should be considered as an acceptable proposal. This is an opportunity to provide sustainable development on the immediate village edge of Thaxted, contributing in a positive way to the immediate housing shortfall and we would ask for your support to your officer's recommendation for approval. Thank you. <coughs> Thank you, Mr Tedder. Um, we have no other speakers, so over to you, committee. I can't vote. I wasn't in the room. Yes, you were. Uh, Councillor Freeman. Yeah, can you give us an estimation of the ridge height of these dwellings, please? I would uh, have to look it up if you just bear with me for a few minutes. About 9 to 10 metres, metres. Well, thank you. if you're happy with that estimate. Uh, 9 to 10 metres, yeah. It, it's just that on the elevations that we have here, they do look rather tall and blocky and uh, seem to have tried to pour quite a lot into the site. That is simply reflecting a comment which is made by the um, parish council. Uh, ridge height is too high and therefore create a loss of light or overshadowing. Page 148, uh, item 8.1. Uh, I just point that out. I think they are rather big. That will be to accommodate the rooms in the roof. Uh, yes, Mr Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Can I have any idea what the other houses look like next to it? It's all people saying they're overbearing, but I can't see what they are next to the other houses. So if, for example, it's next door to a bungalow, it's going to look overbearing. Do um, you have any indication, any pictures that can show us this? I haven't included pictures in uh, the report. Um, obviously, I did take some. Um, the view that I took was that there wasn't any one particular dominant style or theme um, in the um, immediate vicinity, which for that reason is there is no sort of precedence or transfer from the development over to uh, the existing dwellings. Um, they are the uh, Claypit Villas um, is essentially semi-detached, um, I would say roughly dating from about the 1950s, um, and um, I believe, in my view, that the design is appropriate, both in terms of appearance and also in ridge height. Uh, just, sorry, to, the reason just to pick that up, yeah, I mean, it's typical sort of council 1950s, fairly blocky, not dissimilar to the profile of these. Okay, I was just saying, I, I, I can't make a decision. It seems one of the critical issues from everyone's complaining is that it doesn't fit in well with the rest of the houses. And it is, because it's urban development, that is one of the important issues. And so my instinct would be to say we defer this until I've actually seen or have seen pictures. <clears throat> I'm not sure that's necessary. necessary. I, I, I'll throw that open to the rest of the committee and let them have their comments. Anybody? Uh, for me, I mean, yeah, through Thaxted, there's different styles. I, I don't think these are, as the officer said, that much out of keeping with the sort of the, the general street scene. So I, I don't think that should affect your decision as such. I think this is a, 
you know, is this a suitable development for this location? Mr Chairman, that's the material issue that everyone raises throughout the whole proposal. So I would not be responsible in making a decision without making that judgment. It's not okay, so you're asking, so I'm asking, asking for a deferral? Asking for a deferral? Yes, yes, I am indeed. Does that find a seconder? Please. Come on. <laughs> no, you can't, you can't, you can't get anybody Cotton else to vote with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Councillor Davey. Propose approval. Uh, okay, I have a proposer. Does that find a seconder? I'm happy. All right, Leslie. Yeah. Councillor Wells is seconding. All those in favour, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six. Those against? One. Three abstentions? Yep. Okay. That item is approved. Thank you. UTT 180103, land south of Endway, Grey Eastern. Mr McElvoy will take us through this one. This is a reserve matters for a planning application that um, was approved in outline on August uh, 2017. It's regarding appearance and scale. Uh, principle of development and general access has already been established by virtue of the earlier permission. It is to the south of the endway uh, within the village centre. Um, I think you could charitably describe the site as having not the best levels of amenity. The applicant is proposing nine dwellings. Um, you've got four facing the endway to the north with um, the remaining five um, facing an access road off from uh, Brooksmead to the south. The general layout um, is of a rather standard design, though the applicant is proposing a variety of um, different colour palettes to provide some form of distinction there. Um, I would describe it as modern with few flourishes. Um, amenity space is um, okay and parking is uh, within the acceptable limits. Um, general back-to-back -back separation distances are acceptable as well and for that reason we're recommending approval. Thank you Mr McElvoy. Um, we have no speakers on this so over to your committee. Any takers? If you remember this site we went and visited, this was the one where the hedge was coming out fairly substantially on the front. Yeah, on the hill in Great Eastern. No? Okay. I'm happy to... Okay, Councillor Fairhurst. Inevitably. Um, yeah. We're told that parking is within limits. We're told all the details. We haven't got any lists. We haven't got anything saying you know, X number of bedrooms, X number of parking bays and, and um, parallel parking. So we really haven't got anything. Are there any tandem parkings? Can I, have, I would love to have an outline, just anything. I think we've got an outline. Yeah, we've well, got an outline. Okay. So is there a list of parking bays and, and, and the sizes? And I think the officer said that it met Essex County Council parking standards. Uh, would you like to clarify if we've got any tandem parking and what exactly we have got? Yeah, okay. Um, there is, well, there would be tandem parking, especially if you have a look to say down uh, Broxmead. 
just forgive me, I'm just going to point. So if I'm reading that right, we've got a garage with space at the back and the possibility of two spaces in front of it, which technically is tandem parking, but if you're using the garage then it's a single one in front. So, yes, correct? Yes. Yeah, okay. Does that can answer make, the question? Yes, indeed. Can I, can I, can I suggest in future, we, we often get a beautifully descriptive thing for nine houses, the number of houses, the number of bedrooms, the number of feet of, foot, of parking space and so on. So we've got something to go on. Instead Absolutely of, agree with if you. If you don't mind. All right, and Mr. Brown's going to take it on board. Yeah. He's muttering in my ear. That's my, totally my fault. Okay. Basically, Peter didn't get that memo, I did, because I didn't tell him. Okay, point noted. Um, members, anybody else? Councillor Wells. Happy to propose the recommendation. I have a proposer. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Lemon seconding. All those in favour, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's unanimous. Right, moving on. Thank you, Mr. McAvoy. No, it's not. There's ten of us. There's ten of us. Okay, item ten on the agenda has been withdrawn. So we move to item 11, UTT 180188, rear of Holly, Ledge, Holly Hedge, Woodman's Lane, Dudden Ho End, which was a deferral from last time for a site visit. And Mr Tyler is going to take us through it. When you're ready, Chris. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, as the Chairman said, the um, application was deferred from the last planning committee for a site visit. The application site is to the rear of the dwellings of Wendon's uh, Vineyard and Holly Hedge in the hamlet of Duddenhoe End. Uh, the site includes a detached uh, domestic outbuilding and paddock area. The application already includes outline planning permission for the erection of two single-storey dwellings. Uh, first is shown uh, with an access from uh, adjacent to uh, Wendon's uh, vineyard. The, this one is, uh, includes the access through uh, Holly Hedge. Uh, this application is for the outline planning permission with all matters reserved except access for the erection of two single-storey dwellings and associated garages. This application revises the previously approved schemes uh, it's now proposed that the site includes a single access uh, uh, to the side of Holly Hedge and Stepping Stones, as shown on the plan. Uh, the, it's been a, a 16 letters of objection. Um, all, all, these, all material planning matters have been considered in the uh, committee report. The principle of the development has been previously approved in 2016 and 2017 and therefore is a material consideration. There's no harmful impact to the countryside and the proposal complies with local plan policy at H4 in regards to backland development. No objections have been made from the Highways Authority. The proposed parking accords with UDC residential parking standards. No objections have been made uh, by Essex County Council ecologists. 
um, the use of the proposed access will not result in a significant increase in noise and disturbance to the neighbouring properties. Uh, the lay, layout, scale, landscaping and appearance of the proposed dwellings will be considered at a reserved matter stage. Uh, UDC Environmental Health uh, have recommended a condition in regards to water discharge and as such this will be included. Overall, it's considered the proposal is acceptable. The principle of the development has already been established. Uh, the, revise, the revision of the access is considered acceptable and accords with both local and national policies. Uh, therefore, uh, the application is recommended for approval, subject to conditions. Sorry, thank you, Mr. Tyler. Um, we have no speakers on this, so straight away over to the committee. Councillor Fairhurst. Mr. Chairman, I think I'm once again going to support Councillor Chambers on this view. We discussed it last time. Um, we could, you could definitely over, as we did last time, over development of the site, but more importantly, it sets a precedent. We are not in favour of backland development. Um, and when you go there, you see it's a bit crushed. So, so I would be guided by the, the council on this, but I do feel that once you set this up, people can say you've done it before. Mr. We'd better clarify the fact that the two properties are going to be built, whatever happens here. I, I understand what you're saying about H4, but they're there. What we're considering today is which of the accesses we think is the correct access, the original one or the proposed one, is that? That's exactly right. The planning, the concept, the, the principle of both those dwellings has already been approved and, and have extant planning permissions, so they could actually be built tomorrow. And uh, the only issue we've got here is, 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 is moving the two accesses into one, and it's the better access that they're actually using. So that's all they're doing. I don't, it would be foolish to, to refuse this on backland development. Uh, I'll let you finish and then take Councillor Chambers. Mr Chairman, I'm not suggesting that we can refuse it anyway, but I think we should make a point here of saying this is not to set a precedent. We were, it was by, by, by appeal and this is not what we support in any way. Yep, I, I take your point. Councillor okay. Chambers. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, thank you, Councillor Fairhurst. I, I do appreciate that and I think everybody put forward their views on so-called back, backland development in a small area. But please could I say that I would, there was nothing wrong with the first access. The first access was a, a better access from a, point of, a viewpoint. And it is to me, he, uh, there is already an access there and that access is the best one without this one interfering with what I consider to be a very small entrance. If you actually, you're, thank you for coming this morning. You could see it was a small entrance there. The other access has got much better um, access onto the road. It is just simple. The first one is the best one, not this one that's being applied for now. Okay. Uh, I think I find myself agreeing with you. I don't like the idea of cars parking on the front of the house like we're seeing on this application as such. I, I just don't think it's to demolish a garage for a route through and it's so tight between those two houses. I find myself agreeing with you that the first access is probably the more appropriate one. Okay, uh, members, anybody else? Proposed refusal, Mr Chairman? Uh, well, I have a proposal for refusal. I need some grounds. Some grounds. If you look at the grounds on there, I, I think I've just given you some. It's, it's, it's much better viewpoint coming out on the thing there. Uh, it, it Mr. Mr Brown's going to try and help you with this one. All right, well, by all means, Mr Brown. Oh God, I don't know how I'm going to help you on this one, to be honest. <laughs> um, basically, both the principle of two dwellings has been approved and both these accesses have been approved. 
Um, what you potentially would have preferred him to have done was the other way around to, to block, but he hasn't. So, so you now need to consider whether what he's doing now is basically, rather than one dwelling going through there and one dwelling going through there, you've got two dwellings going through there. We've got no objections from highways, and despite the fact we've had issues earlier on in terms of strategic considerations, I think we do need to respect that comment in terms of highways comments, because it was a safe access for once, for once so how can it be an unsafe access for two? So I don't know what else you can do apart from, and don't forget the back to H4 on backland development, um, it d H4 does not say you can't have backland development. It says you can't have inappropriate backland development. And the reason why backland development can be inappropriate is because of character. Um, you know, obviously, if you've got a linear village and you've got houses towards the rear, and that possibly was an argument that we made last time and it didn't work. And the second issue is the impact on adjoining op occupiers, both from the dwellings, looking forward into those. Again, that principle has been an issue. The only thing you could argue is, and I don't think you can, but the only, by, by my, all you're doing is by closing the wrong access from, your, from Councillor Chambers' viewpoint, you're having doubling the amount of traffic going through the existing access, and that potentially could have more of an impact on Holly Hedge, because you're doubling the amount of traffic flow. I think that's a very spurious argument, but I think that's the only thing you can do, and, and yeah, therefore you'll be saying it's now, that development has now become inappropriate backland in terms of policy H4. Um, it's frustrating, and obviously there's other reasons why they've picked the access. Right. Could, could, I, could I just, if I may, Mr mm. Chairman, if I could just say there, um, it, was, uh, it may have been the officers and it may have been the inspector, but when you actually see a report, and this is what really got to, to people, local people, when you saw the report and they said that up the road was a playing field, up the road was a pub, it actually had a post box and of something else, I can't remember what it was now. Uh, that is just ridiculous. I'm sorry, but that is where it is completely wrong. The pub closed 30 years ago. There's not a playing field where the village hall is. Most people know it. There's a couple of swings. Uh, it, it just... And so the whole, the whole thing with the inspector and allowing that development behind the others was what is being objected to. And the original... The original access was perfectly adequate for these two buildings. No, the original access was suitable for one of those dwellings and the other access was suitable for the other one. And, uh, so, and, that, and it still is because those developments could be proved. So all the, all the argument here is he's, he's picked the wrong access to put it both through, um, in no. your view. No, you don't want both through there. Well, that, you're, that's you're, go the... you're going to cause a lot of pain to the next door neighbour if you do that in terms of disturbance so therefore Definitely. so uh, again I think it's a very difficult argument to run on appeal maybe but it's your an reasons, argument that should be your taken your reasons forward. for refusal then would be um, it becomes inappropriate backland because you're doubling the amount of the, the property two properties going down one access so and that makes us an event and it's going to be a very difficult one to argue but it's, that's what you're arguing to be honest so I will, it's, it I becomes will, inappropriate I will go to court and argue yeah. that well okay so it's, it's, it's the impact on stepping stones and holly hedge yeah, yeah so it's okay so it's uh, okay uh, that uh, that was a proposal for refusal did that find a seconder and it looks like I'm doing it from the chair oh no sorry councillor Freeman okay councillor Freeman uh, all those in favour of a refusal, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 
Okay, those against? Three abstentions? Three abstentions. Okay. That item is refused. Thank you, Mr. Tyler. Sorry. I do. I'll talk to you in a second. <coughs> UTT 172387. Thatch End, The Row, Star Road, Henham. Mr. Theobald will take us through it. Clive, when you're ready. Thank you, Chair. Um, housekeeping first. Members will recall that this application was deferred from the April meeting to properly consider the Council's Conservation Officer's further specialist comments, which had not been readily available to include within the Planning Officer's report for that meeting and also for a member's site visit. The Conservation Officer's additional comments are included within the updated report now in front of you for this afternoon's meeting. Sixteen new letters of representation from local residents have been received as a result of the revised drawing received for this new single dwelling scheme, which now omits reference to the replacement garage as originally shown onto the Star Road frontage, although no new planning issues have been raised from these representations. A revised representation has also been received from Jeff Gardner Planning on behalf of Henham Parish Council, although similarly no new issues have been raised. The members will recall the proposal site from this morning's meeting. Just a few photos. That's taken from looking back down the row to the site. This is looking across the site to uh, the other end. And this is the, uh, the corner of Star Road with the row with the garage uh, which will be demolished to make way for the two um, parallel hard standing spaces. Now this is the um, revised drawing which does not show the garage now but simply the parking. Um, just to refresh on the, uh, the design it would be 10 metres by 3.7 metres footprint although 4.7 metres to the front porch. It would have a single bedroom, kitchen, dining and living area. It would have a contemporary style in appearance whereby the roof would be externally clad in lead but with traditional construction details and the walls clad with a weathered timber frame, frame rain screen cladding over a cross laminated timber structure with timber frame windows, adjacent sliding timber shutters and timber framed bifolding glazed doors with conservation roof lights. No consultee objections have been raised to the proposed scheme from either Essex County Council Ecology or the Council's Conservation Officer. It is the view of your officers that the proposal as presented in its revised form, deleting the garage from the scheme, which would otherwise have made the scheme unacceptable, would comply with relevant adopted plan policies and the NPPF in respect of sustainable development, heritage impact, access parking, living standards, residential amenity and ecology and it is recommended, Chairman, that the application be approved. 
Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Theobald. Uh, we have four speakers, and I'll take uh, Mr. Nigel Hogg first. Mr. Hogg, you have three minutes. Yep, in the chair. Just press the button underneath the microphone in the middle. It will go red. I speak on behalf of all ten of the neighbours who continue to object to this development, despite the planner's report which says all objections have been answered. This part of the village is believed to have been built in the time of Elizabeth I over 500 years ago. In those days there were no cars, bicycles or school with no flow of pedestrians or dangers from manoeuvring vehicles. The row is the centre of this happy farming community and over the last 20 generations has included an alehouse, community sweet shop, post office and general store. We all have a responsibility for preserving this part of what even the council has confirmed is the historical part of the village. We all, including the residents, should be custodians of the houses and the historical environment, adding modern conveniences, even indoor toilets, whilst maintaining the character of both the properties and the areas. We have four objections to this. The first one is that this should not be an independent separate dwelling. All of the responses we read uh, relate to and would fit with it being an annex. Being an independent dwelling means that in future it can be sold separately and the applicants and owners of the new property can then apply for amendments to the, to, to the existing plans. The second issue is the access is clearly unacceptable. There are already 11 cars using this as access and over the years a system has developed between residents which involves minimal amounts of manoeuvring. For those of you who visited today, which unfortunately everyone was out at work, so there was less traffic than normal, um, you, know, you can see that in order to get into the parking space of the new independent dwelling, it would have to manoeuvre left and right to try and avoid the cars that are already there. This would give a real risk of an accident, given that the path is used regularly by schoolchildren, dog walkers and others. The third objection is that unfortunately track record shows that the plans originally submitted and approved are not what is built. Within 150 yards of the application, over the last eight years, five properties have had amendments and retrospective planning consents approved, making properties significantly larger than the original application. Over the last six months, a small property fundamentally changed both in size and height. It may not be the applicant who applies for it, but others buying the property will apply and potentially get changes which will change the character of the area. My fourth and final point is if this is approved, there are two other similar sites on the row which you can see on the map right for development. And as we know from recent planning meeting, whilst the theory is that each application does not set a precedent, it appears the council can be taken to court for costs if they are not deemed to have behaved fairly. As such, there is a clear risk that this is the start of one of many developments down the row. Twenty generations have preserved this beautiful historic centre of our village. Are you going to be responsible for the fundamental change of this environment? Over the last ten years, the village has expanded rapidly with relatively char characterless developments, making the preservation of our great British heritage even more important. We request please reject this application and preserve our heritage. It's neither necessary or desirable. <coughs> Thank you, Mr Hulk. Uh, Brian Tucker. Mr Tucker, you have three minutes. 
I've lived in Hanam for over 46 years, 22 of them in the row. All the cottages in the row are listed and are part of an extensive conservation area featuring the historic heart of the village, almost unique in Uttersford, if not in Essex. They are believed to be approximately 450 to 500 years old, as you've just heard, and people come here to paint, take photographs. Hennem is known for its old and listed properties. There are over 70 buildings, including the water pump, recorded as listed in Hennem, a very high concentration and around 20% of the total development footprint. <clears throat> this photograph, which I have circulated, was taken in 1900. Yes, 1900. And this picture was painted in 1960. And this one, more recently, as you saw this morning, was <clears throat> only another 60 years further on from this one. But overall, 120 years separate those three pictures. And now, amazingly, they're in an application to build a studio in the row, in the garden of the thatch, which you've seen again. There was one on the screen. <clears throat> which is staggeringly ill-conceived and ill-founded and will create a precedent for further garden grabbing in the row and elsewhere. Potentially, two other gardens in the row could be grabbed for development. The applicant already has a large off, uh, workshop in another part of her garden. This is a travesty that does nothing to enhance this listed property nor the conservation area. Is this development really wanted in this highly sensitive conservation area? Once the garden is built on, it has gone forever and will change the nature of the area irrevocably. As owners of listed houses, including the space around them, we have a duty of care to preserve them in accordance with Uttlesford's strict rules and regulations for such properties, in this case all thatched, not only for the good name of Uttlesford, but also the benefit of future generations to enjoy. The application for a studio, which sadly, to me, looks like a toilet block on the seafront, is totally at odds with the surrounding thatched cottages, which has two... Um, with its uh, two large bifolding doors facing the row, one looking directly into the kitchen living room, the other into the bedroom, at about nine metres from a very public footpath, the row itself, along which many of the local children walk to school. The Paris has accepted and allowed a number of new developments in the village over the years, so we are not campaigning against any new building work, just this proposed development, which is wholly out of character for the location and inappropriate and damaged to the very iconic conservation area which, is, which Uttersford is supposed to protect. Building here will be like building in the middle of Stonehenge or on Saffron Walden Common. The proposal should be rejected as no empty space within the Henham conservation boundaries will otherwise be safe from unwanted and inappropriate development. Thank you. <coughs> Thank you, Mr Tucker. Uh, Jeff Gardner. <coughs> Jeff, you also have three minutes. Thank you. Uh, as you probably know, I'm speaking on behalf of Hernan Parish. <coughs> the, the report now includes two um, notes from the Conservation Officer. Uh, 
um, which is um, an advance on the last, on the last uh, committee meeting. The comments, or lack of them, raise some concerns. The roof is described as steeply pitched, whereas the north and south elevations have got a pitch of 23 degrees, and the east and west elevations showed it's topped with a flat roof. No comment, no comment is offered on the large bifold doors, which are not a common feature in conservation areas. The contemporary design is, quote, produced by award-winning architects, which is exciting. The design is interesting. Such observations are not what the policy worthing sets as tests or considerations. It is surely immaterial that star architects are carrying out an experiment on this small, sensitive, important site in the oldest part of Henham. The adoptive policies by which the proposal should be assessed are ENV1, which is Conservation Area's ENV2 listed buildings. ENV1 sets important tests. Does the design of the building preserve or enhance the character and appearance of the essential features of the conservation area? EMV2 requires the assessment on the effect of the proposed building on the setting of the listed buildings, which are all around the site, as we've just heard. These critical tests are not mentioned in the conservation officer's reports. The officer report, by a more generalist officer, says that the development would preserve the character and appearance of the conservation area. Clearly, that's his view and not the conservation officer. And there's no mention of enhancing or the setting test of the listed buildings in EMV2. The conservation officer originally considered the building of 10 by 3.5 metres would be appropriate. The dimensions of the revised design are 10 by 3.7 in, in the first paragraph, 10 by 4.7 in another. Why should the lobby and the overhanging roof be excluded? Effectively, this is the 10 by 4.7 building. This building is a large bifold doors, a partial flat roof, not seen elsewhere in the conservation area, and squeezed into a very small plot. The planning officer has already described his site's importance in an earlier email, particularly given the sensitivity of the site within this high-grade conservation area. <clears throat> it would detract from the character of the conservation area rather than meeting the test of the policy. Retention of the current open garden land actually does enhance and preserve the conservation area and the setting of least recent buildings, listed buildings. The report correctly states the site does not have vehicle access rights to Star Road, the plan attached to the report is inaccurate in including hard standing as part of the site. The application red line plan excludes this. This means the site is isolated and parking spaces are unusable. The Parish Council controls this area and has legal advice that whatever the current usage of this land may be, new development will require a new formal agreement, which I'm advised will not be given. The relevance of this to this planning application is that even if permission is granted, it will be incapable of implementation in the form applied for and the parking spaces cannot be provided in accordance with Gen 8. This point has been made to the, office, to the council many times and the applicants, but never addressed. So we argue that permission should be refused, being contrary to the development plan, policies ENV1, conservation ENV2, listed buildings, Gen 8 parking. Local, the draft local plan has also got similar policies, D1, EN1, EN2. One last point, that much has been made of the removal of the garages. The conditions which are being provided, which are being proposed here, make no condition to remove the garages. In other words, the house could be built, the garages could stay. Nothing prevents this. I think if you are going to allow this, then you must make sure that the garages go and the parking spaces is provided up front. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr Gardner. And the final speaker, Sue Mott. The applicant. 
So you can have up to nine minutes. I wouldn't do that to you. I've had a long day. Glad to hear it. <laughs> what I'll do is read what I was going to read in explanation first, and then I've made notes, and I'll come back and perhaps answer some of those questions that have been raised. But I'll do it as quickly as possible. Um, so I'm glad that you were able to come in and have your site visit today. Thank you very much for coming, because I think that does make a number of things clear. When I bought Thatch End nearly 20 years ago, the owners were having trouble selling. There was no upstairs bathroom, the lower beams were skew-whiff, the roof was old and patchy, the front garden, which you visited today, was wild, and the garage and the woodshed were ramshackle. Some things I was able to repair quickly under the guidance of Barbara Bosworth, and your conservation department, um, some things have taken longer. The woodshed did fall down, and the garage is dilapidated to the point of collapse, and as you saw, overrun with ivy, leaking, without actual walls in some places, and the windows are broken. There are a crucial set of overgrown conifers, which I know you had to sort of clamber through, that the neighbours affected would be delighted to see come down. And... I wanted to have a studio to help me store 40 years of journalism that currently is in a shed within that garage because the garage itself is no longer waterproof. So I found a group of architects and the brief was simple. I just wanted something small, sympathetic to its setting and as good to look at as possible. They came up with one design that was actually ruled out due to size, but Barbara Bosworth having visited the site, kindly then drew a new design that she would be happy with. And we have stuck to her model to the letter. And that has met with her own and planning department's approval. I do understand that change, any change in a conservation area, has to be weighed up with great sensitivity and will be resisted for fear of something that jars. And, you know, to be honest, when Nigel was talking, I agreed with him exactly. We are custodians of this area. And I have, by putting a new roof on Thatch End, I've never extended that. I think it's perfect as it is. And I have redone the garden and the front of the garden you saw today. I think I have been a good custodian over the last 20 years there. The argument that this studio would actually be better off as an annex is something I did indeed consider, but it was your own planning department that said it had to be a dwelling in order to go there. So we have taken their advice on that. Um, with regard to the traffic on the area, it was quiet today. It very often is. And... If there is any concern at all about the difficulty of traffic moving in and out of that area, the architects who are with me today did make a film of how you would traverse that area without having to reverse, without having to go left and right. And if you wanted to see that, you're more than welcome to see it. It's a quiet spot I've never experienced in 20 years of living there any trouble at all.
I understand that you will be thinking this potentially creates a precedent in other areas. It's kind of hard to throw that one at me and say, therefore, you can't do it, because, of course, the precedent is already sitting there in Rose Cottage, which is next door. And I would say that what we are proposing to build by being so small, so single-storey, so further back behind the line that the front of those conifers make, um, it's an exaggeration, put it that way, to say that this will destroy the look of the garden. I have wanted to get rid of those conifers for a long time. They stop anything else growing in the area in front of them. My vision is to see all the conifers come out with the extra space that that provides. The design of the building goes in there, made of wood and its own modern weatherboard, that is something that is not exactly the same, of course, as Thatch End, how could it be? But it is something that is sympathetic to it, especially because of its wooden nature. And then all that front part of the garden, rather than being destroyed, stays as it is. I think there's a genuine misunderstanding that I'm going to build right to the front of the row. I'm not. It stops as far back as you saw today. And I can then build a garden that I can enjoy sitting in as well as looking at. And I'm planning to build lots... Well, you saw the trellises I have there. I'm planning to put up things like... I don't want to bore you with my horticultural plans, but... It will be beautiful to look at. It will be a building of interest sitting in a garden as opposed to a little garden fringing something that is a big building. And uh, between getting rid of the Leylandi and the removal of the dilapidated and unusable garage to create extra parking places, I think it's an enhancement to the area. I know Jeff just said that there was no sign of, that we would remove that garage, but that's not the case. Within this planning application is the proposal to at last demolish the garage and two tumble-down buildings next to it to create new parking spaces which I think would make the area safer and certainly a heck of a lot lovelier to look at. I do have form. Thatch End's back garden, with the help of well-known local gardener Georgie Thake, has been beautifully replanted. I want to continue that process and actually finish enhancing Thatch End. I too have a picture of the row painted by someone who was sitting there the other about five, ten years ago. I bought it off her because I think it's absolutely beautiful. That's why I bought it in the first place. And that will not change. That aspect of the row will not change. Thatch end won't change. The front garden facing thatch end won't change. It's simply that I think the architects have completely understood the nature of the undertaking by using their sympathetic materials and such is the nature of this modern construction, we will minimise disruption as a good part of the assembly can be done off-site. I really appreciate that they, the neighbours may have been upset by the building that's gone on at the other end of the row, which you saw, which is indeed large. Five bedrooms, 
one building, three bedrooms another, and a garage, which I think is even smaller than the building that we're planning to create. So I know they've endured a lot of building. This would be quick, small, and because I you know, will swear on anything you want me to swear on, will build a beautiful garden in front of it, I simply do not see the same level of destruction that everybody else does. I bought Thatch End originally because I loved how it looks and how it feels. I still feel the same. I haven't made any extensions to the house because it's lovely as it is, albeit it does tend to knock you out on its low beams from time to time. And I hoped that by working so closely with your planning department and your conservation departments, we've thought of literally everything to make this application attractive and a practical enhancement to a lovely historic place. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Um, okay, we have no further speakers. Councillor Fairhurst to start. Thank you, Mr Chairman. The uh, word... Um, let me just go back to my two. Custodian and heart were mentioned three different times. And I think it's very important, arriving there and seeing it as it did... Um, living as I do in a listed building, I know what it's like and there's always a compromise. I do bump my head on a, probably on a daily basis in my house. It's far too short for me. Um, but it's a difficult one because I believe that the applicant as well means well. I think they will have the best intentions. The problem is we're also custodians here in this committee. And we're custodians of the heart of what, what we believe is our cultural heritage. And I would feel very hard-pressed to, to impose a building which I'm afraid is beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and I think that's foul. Um, but it's my opinion, and I'm sure my opinion is I'm not an architect. Um, on that basis, I unfortunately feel that ENV1 and ENV2 are both applicable. It is very close to a beautiful row of listed buildings. I think they're magnificent. We were just saying before we got there. I think that the English houses with thatched roofs and things are the epitome of, of beauty. And... Uh, this place really is there. I would be very, very careful before I decided to do something silly like build something there, so I'm afraid I will, be, I will be, not be supporting this process. Thank you. Okay. Councillor Lachlan, and then Councillor Freeman. I don't know who to ask this question of, really. Um, the garage didn't look very Elizabethan to me. So can, can somebody please tell me when that was built? Because that's, uh, I looks as if it could have been recent or, well, within the last 50, 60 years or something. So, relati so relatively modern in terms of the house. Thank you. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you. Um, it's quite intriguing this because actually what we're looking at is a studio, it calls itself a studio. In fact, really it seems to be a summer house and that's fine, except there's also a dwelling and you're putting a dwelling in a garden in a conservation area, it's called a dwelling, and one dwelling can turn into another dwelling and then that can turn into a similar dwelling again. So that's the difficulty I have. It's a dwelling in somebody's garden. 
Uh, and concerning Leylandia and things like this, you can cut them down any day of the week. You know, you don't need to build a house or a studio or a dwelling to cut down Leylandia. You can do it this afternoon. Uh, so I don't find that much of an argument. Um, I, I don't. I used to own a place very much like that and had a garden very much like that, and it was very nice. It had walnut trees, they were delicious walnuts. Um, and all you really need is a decent shed, if that's what you want. A temporary structure, which doesn't require any planning consent at all, and that would fit in a treat. So the arguments seem to me to be confused, because it's a dwelling, but it's not a dwelling, it's a studio, but it's got a lead roof. Uh, and it's sitting in the back of the garden, so that's okay. But really, if it's sitting in the garden, it needs to be something more appropriate to gardens. It seems to be a very confused application. I have difficulty having sympathy with it, to be honest. Okay. Councillor Lemon. Thank you, Chairman. Um, yes, the, the prop, I, I realise that it only needs one parking space, but to talk about knocking the garage down and having parallel parking, it's going to be very difficult to have parallel parking to get two cars in. I can't understand that. But I do, I realise it only needs one parking But to go on about parallel parking, I think, is a, is a, is a non-starter. It won't work. <clears throat> okay. Uh, anyway, Councillor Wells. Well, like my colleagues, I feel confused about the application. Uh, if it's for storage of whatever, I don't understand why it has to be a dwelling. And that, for me, is the crux of this. If it was just, as someone said, an outbuilding, a shed or whatever, fine. But because it's a dwelling, I have issue with it. And I don't feel I can support it. Okay. Councillor Fairhurst. I propose rejection on the NV1 and 2. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Wells. Okay, I have a proposer and a seconder for a refusal based on ENV1 and ENV2. Okay, uh, can we have a vote, please? All those in favour of refusal, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All those in favour of approval, please show. One, two, and I shall abstain on this one. I think it's a difficult one. Okay, uh, that item is refused. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Theobald. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, one more. UTT 17 3663, listed building, police station, East Street, Saffron Warden. Luke Mills to take us through it. Thank you, Chairman. The site is located off East Street in Saffron Warden and contains a Grade 2 listed former police station. The application is for listed building consent to carry out internal and external alterations which would facilitate the building's conversion to three dwellings. Planning permission was granted for the change of use earlier this year. Taking into account the comments of the Council's Conservation Officer, it is considered that the special character of the listed building and its setting would be preserved. 
As set out in my report, all relevant planning policies and material considerations have been considered, and it is recommended that approval be granted. Uh, thank you, Luke. Okay, we have no speakers on this item, so straight away over to you, committee. Oh. Councillor Lodge. Uh, first of all, could I just say that I called this in at first on the basis I'd really like to um, look at the application as a whole and make sure we got a coherent plan. I think this is about the tenth time it's turned up here. Um, so can I just ask you a question? What has changed since we last did the listed building uh, consent? Okay, so it was, I think, it was deferred the first time because we didn't have conservation officer comments formally. So... Um, then it was due to come back to committee with nothing changing but with conservation officer comments for your benefit. Um, that was all in place. However, then the applicant decided they wanted to change a couple of things. Those things are pointed out in the updated conservation officer's comments. So these include um, the access ramp in front of plot 7, just the existing one to be retained rather than a new access ramp. Um, and then the rest are internal changes. So things like the fireplace surround and mantle being removed, and then some changes to partitions and things. Uh, the conservation officers looked at all of those and decided that they're all acceptable. Um, and so they're the things that have, have been changed since the last time you saw it. In which case, I'd like to propose approval. <coughs> I'm happy to second from the chair, but just to comment, Luke, is this the final application that we're going to see on this? Please be sure, this isn't in my hands. <laughs> uh, this is... Um, I can't confirm that it will be the last one because I have heard from the applicant that there might be other changes to um, not necessarily to the listed building I think to the new builds adjacent um, because if you recall this was a right. seven dwelling I'm, I'm just I, I'm going to second Councillor Lodge's position here but just to make a point that if this can be condensed to the point where we only see it once more I think we'd all be very much more favourably inclined me too yeah. can, I, but can I sort of go counter to that I think the person needs to be slightly applauded here because they could have, the fact that they keep changing it is not a question of them waking up in the morning and changing their minds. It's a case of them coming across as they're doing things. And like you've just mentioned there, fireplace surrounds. Um, I, I they've take, been not I quite there, the they've come to it. We cannot guarantee. They could have carried on and done that. So this shows actual due process, and unfortunately it can be a... But I, 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 flip in, I flip in hope we don't get another one. I take your point, but <laughs> Luke has just pointed out that the applications coming in may be to the new build. Yeah. Therefore, your arguments completely doesn't wash. Yeah, no, but, no okay. but the question was about the building. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, under those circumstances, we have a proposal and a second. Are all those in favour, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And Councillor Fairhurst? Against. Okay. That item is therefore carried, and that completes the order of business today. Thank you all very much for your patience and diligence. Much appreciated. Thank you.